fucking deep. I like it. These guys are jerks. Fucking deep. Bless you, boys. Young men expressing themselves. Unbelievable. Fucking deep. Put it in deep. You know, getting pucks deep, putting the puck deep. Put pucks in deep. He's chipping pucks, he's getting pucks deep. Just put the puck deep. Getting pucks out, getting pucks deep. Get pucks deep, pucks in deep, puck deep, pucks deep. Keep getting pucks deep. All right, here we are, episode 39. Pucks in Deep podcast is back. Weekly schedule is ongoing. Adam Lesko, Josh Coleman here to bring you up to speed on all things NHL. And of course, the Toronto Maple Leafs as that uh, happens to be our favorite team here in Pembroke, Ontario. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at Coleman42. At Lesko Adam and at PuckPod on the uh, Twitter sphere for the PuckPod station. Listen, Lesko, uh, today, as we said last week, for our listeners, is our Western Conference preview. So we're going to spend a lot of time uh, diving through each team. Maybe, well, maybe five or six minutes per team. We'll try and keep this episode as close to 90 minutes as we can. But we're getting derailed uh, by something that came across uh, Twitter and social media earlier this afternoon why don't you bring uh, our listeners up to speed on one matthews austin taylor matthews austin taylor matthews that's the big news of the day because he has a middle name and it's taylor and spelt it's the taylor. canadian way it's spelt o-u-r as you as you eloquently pointed out i didn't out. see that coming no anyway i don't even know how this came about but there was a fellow on twitter who seemed who somehow dug this up but Austin Matthews is uh, appearing in uh, a pre-trial arrangement tomorrow, tomorrow Nine, morning in Scottsdale, Arizona, uh, for something that he was um, handed a citation for uh, on July 23rd of this summer. Disorderly conduct in the state of Arizona, specifically in Scottsdale, which oh happens to be where Austin Matthews is from. Um, a lot of people online, obviously, uh, not trying to discredit it, but saying, okay, listen, uh, I'm going to blow my whistle here and say, hold on, are we even sure that this is the same guy? Well, when you look at the case, it's got born September of 1997, Austin spelt with an O instead of an I. Um, it has to be him. There's no way it's anybody else. And realistically, we don't know what happened. We have no details, so we're not going to try and break anything. I mean, if we did, it would maybe be two podcasts in a row where we broke some news. Let's go. Hey, <laughs> I guess so. But, but uh, I do have I do have a call in, or I should say, a chat. Uh, we got sources. Yeah, we we uh, well, you you did a good job pulling up the. Uh, I guess it's the definition of disorderly conduct within the state of Arizona. What exactly is disorderly conduct? So um, I pulled up that page to have a look at it because you were pointing out the fact to me that, you know, it's pretty vague. Sure, it says fighting in there, but it doesn't mean fighting. It could be excessive noise. No, or- yeah, there's a few different things it could be. It's, it's fighting or disruptive behavior in public, um, making unreasonable noise, offensive language or gestures. Like okay. there's a whole list of things here that it could be. You can so- get roped in over an argument. Right, but, but I think we all think like hockey player and all that, and we figure he dummied some guy, yeah. right? Like I, that's <laughs> what most people have been speculating about. And like I said, I'm not going to speculate too much. I'm sure we're going to find out tomorrow because you got to think there's a number of Toronto journalists who are on their way to Arizona right now. Well, I already, I already tried to be, uh, well, I, I faked being a Canadian journalist in the live chat here 
on the Matthew Lopez Law. Uh, Matthew Lopez Law, DUI criminal defense. They have a live chat. So I spoke to a nice woman named Nicole. And she told me that uh, someone would be in touch with me as soon as possible. So I don't, <laughs> don't know. Reveal, why are you revealing your sources? <laughs> I don't know what that means. Yeah, I guess you're right. I did reveal my source. But hey, if it's uh, as long as they're not going to charge me any money to tell me that uh, Matthews was drunk in a Taco Bell parking lot with a Harambe t-shirt on and he knocked <laughs> some guy's mustache off, I'm, gonna, I'm okay with it. I'm all right with it. So yeah, we'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens. Perhaps we'll have a little bit more information on this uh, situation as it develops in time for our Eastern Conference preview, which will, of course, uh, include a comprehensive uh, look into the 2019-2020 season for the Toronto Maple Leafs. So really looking forward to that episode uh, next week. Let's go. But I'm already one episode ahead. I can't wait for tonight's episode. There's a ton of stuff. I, I-, I spent a lot of time over the last week or so. Um, getting the prep prepared, some really interesting numbers in there. I don't know if you had a chance to go through it all with a fine comb. There's a lot of numbers in there, but some of them are just absolutely outstanding. Uh, I can't wait to uh, to you know let that uh, come across the waves to our listeners. But some more news as well. Let's go. Um, some RFA's uh, obviously still on the board. Um, fingers crossed uh, for you poolies out there that guys like Line A, Connor, Rantanen, and Kachuk will be able to sign. But um, we've had some other player movement. Uh, why don't you bring us up to speed there? Yeah, well, I guess the big news of today, other than the Austin Matthews criminal mystery, uh, was the Blues acquiring Justin Falk from Carolina. Now, How is that secondary? <laughs> <laughs> secondary to me. It is secondary to most. But I guess either. this is the only real news because we really have no fucking idea right. what's going on with Matthews. True. But uh, yeah, the Blues got Justin Falk in the 2025th round from Carolina for Joel Edmondson. Edmund? I always fuck that name up. Edmondson. That's a tough one. It's there. I always want to say Edmonton. I, that's <laughs> why. He should have been traded to Edmonton. That would have been cool poor guy uh dominic bach i believe it's pronounced yeah, yeah. and uh he's apparently a pretty touted prospect he there is, for, yeah. he was one of the higher uh prospects in the blues organization and uh 2021 seventh round pick um interestingly enough right away the blues extended falk for seven years at six and a half um i have to figure that factored in because carolina must have said we're not we're not signing you to a deal and I wonder if that held up the trade at all either, um, knowing that there was going to have to be a, a deal on the other side wherever Falk was going. Well, yeah, that was Falk's demands from the get-go. Um, sure, you can trade me or whatever, but he has a no-move a no move clause. I think there were 10 teams. Uh, I, I could be mistaken. I believe there was a 10-team list that he had to submit, and St. Louis actually was on that list. So oddly enough... This extension for seven years at 6.5 AAV, as you point out, wasn't actually necessary because St. Louis was on his okay list. Right. Uh, it just so happened that they did extend him. But I think what happened is it, it probably limited the opportunities that the Blues, uh, or excuse me, um, that the uh, Hurricanes would have had to explore for trading Justin Falk given the fact that he said, listen, I'm going to say no to any trade that you bring to me unless the, it comes with an extension. So luckily for Carolina uh, and their front office, the Blues were able to They were to wheeling extend. and dealing. Carolina, yeah. I mean, they had, it was defense, an exciting year. they had defense to spare, and uh, they got a decent haul for them. And I don't quite get the contract. I mean, it's that kind of term. I mean, that's what he wants for sure. But if you're a team, you really want to commit to this guy who's playing third pair. 
in Carolina. And I know I just said their defense is deep, but it's a lot of money to pay for a guy who's playing third third string. Well, I mean, I don't know if I'd call him third string. I mean, he's probably he's top four on most teams. Yeah, I'd say. Um, the issue here with St. Louis, though, is now he becomes the third strong right-handed defenseman that they have on that team. Obviously, the captain, Alex Petrangelo, uh, Colton Pareko, and now Justin Falk. So I don't really see St. Louis running a 1-2-3 with three guys that could all play top four minutes. I imagine someone is going to be shifting over uh, to play the left side. Thank God Mike Babcock doesn't coach that team. They'd be going nuts. <laughs> but I think someone's going to have to switch over there. And it, it really, it, honestly, let's go. It breeds the question, uh, what can we expect to happen down the road with St. Louis captain Alex Petrangelo? Currently making 6.5 for one more year, which is, of course, the deal that Justin Falk just signed. And the Falk deal doesn't kick until next year. So next year, the Blues are going to have, I already looked at their cap friendly, just to get a little background here. They've got more than a few RFAs that they're going to have to deal with. Um, they've got a couple of UFAs coming off the board. I'm sure some of them they'll be able to say goodbye to. Um, one of them is Braden Shen. So that's important to note. But they have zero dollars, dude. And I don't know what kind of uh, increase in pay uh, Alex Petrangelo is going to be looking for. But he just had some kids. So uh, I believe he had twins or triplets. I don't know. I think he had something like that. So he's got he's got baby food and diapers and stuff to buy. So he he wants it. He wants a raise, man. I don't know if St. Louis is going to be able to give it to him. He's been nothing but a stud for them. And it you're right. It does put them in a very precarious cap position here. Um, you know that he's got to be sitting there at home thinking like I don't know what the fuck they're going to do here to make room for me. But um, you got to think there's a bit of pressure on management right now that you just come off a cup win and you think pressure's off somewhat because you, you have reached hockey's ultimate goal but we're talking about a window now yeah right where you got it you want to you know there's an opportunity to repeat as difficult as it is i mean you want to stay competitive and you might go out there and make trades and contract deals you might regret but you know here's hoping it works out for them um I guess to move on to a couple of other contracts news there was since our last episode uh Braden point uh, bridge deal with the Tampa Bay uh, Lightning. Um, they just keep working their magic. They got him on a three-year deal, and uh, that one will pay him uh, six and a half, I believe. Uh, yes, yeah, six seven five, maybe. Yeah, six six six. And yeah, half, six whatever. seven five. Yeah, six seventy five. And uh, so he had one hundred ninety-eight points in two hundred twenty-nine games so far in his career. Uh, you know, I was going to say, much like the Leafs uh, did a great job of clearing cap space in order to sign some contracts, uh, much unlike the Leafs, they managed to sign guys at much below their market value. Yeah, true. Uh, I mean, obviously, everyone likes to talk about the um, the state tax and everything, but you know, when you when you compare it directly to the Toronto Maple Leafs, the tax thing doesn't really uh, factor in as as much as it does with the other non-financially huge teams like the Leafs are, right? right? Okay, The Leafs have things like signing bonuses that can offset the fact that, you know, states like Florida and, and uh, California. Yeah, because they're taxed Nevada. differently. Yeah, so exactly. So there, there are ways. But there are ways. You got to figure that they're really selling that tax advantage or it's got to be incredible if they keep getting away with this. Well, the biggest the biggest thing for me with this point deal, there's two. One's the t one's from the the side of the team and the other's from the player's side. So from the team side, you're looking at the deal and thinking, "Okay, we've got this guy locked up for three 
runs at this cup. Obviously, they're going to want to retain him after that third year. But let's go. I mean, if they win one, maybe two, like how devastating is it going to be if a guy like Braden Point walks for free agency? Fine. It's going to be devastating to the future of that team. But uh, Jesus Christ, we just won a cup. You yeah. Know? And I mean, it's so, going like, to co- cost them too. I mean, yeah, you will. know, you leave money on the table the first time. It's unlikely you're leaving a penny on the table next time. And that leads to my next question, which will come after my player point. On my player point, it is I'm locked in comfortably with this team that I am currently comfortable with. I've been playing with them for years. We have a good relationship. I'm one of the highest point totals in the league. I want to continue playing on this team. So he gets three solid years. Doesn't Maybe he does feel like he got slighted, but obviously he doesn't feel that badly about it because he signed the fucking deal. So, I mean, you know he wants to play there. Like, yeah. why wouldn't you, right? And it yeah. seems to be, you know, they seem to have no trouble retaining guys and, you know, good on them. And it seems that the, the magic continues uh, even after Iserman's left the team. The big thing, too, uh, from the team side is that he'll still be in RFA uh, at the completion of the deal in 2022. So they still will retain his rights. Now, you have to imagine we're going to be doing this exact same dance again in 2022 when he is an RFA and wants 14 and a half. Right, right. right? Because the next question is really the most important one. Everyone wants to compare this to Mitch Marner. So... My question to you is if you're going to compare this to Mitch Marner like everybody else is, that's fine. But then you have to answer this question. Is Braden Point going to make more than Mitch Marner when he goes back to the table? Like make more than his current deal? Yes. Is, is, yes. is Braden Point going to make more than, than Mitch makes now? If he in, continues, he if he continues to produce the way he is, okay, yeah, I, I would, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, he's, yeah. put, he's putting up, he put up forty-one genos last year. Like you score at that kind of pace, you can. I mean, goals are the most valuable thing in the NHL, and and you got to get paid for goals. So if it continues, you know, he he can be looking at Matthews money. Yeah, forty-one fifty-one for for ninety-two points. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it it really makes a value contract, and sucks to make it. Uh, like, uh, talk about it in the context of the Marner deal. Obviously, it's different being a bridge, but it still makes you think there wasn't this magical resetting of the market or redefinition of the market by this RFA class. Like everyone kind of peddled yeah. that narrative all summer, right? Yeah, and I mean, I don't. We don't have to to harp on this one to, to death. I mean, it is what it is. The Leafs overpaid for their stars, but we've said it a bunch of times. Let's go. I, I and I fully agree. I'd rather I'd rather pay the right players too much money than pay the wrong players too much right. money. And there are too many teams in this league right now that are doing the latter. They're paying the wrong people too yeah. much money. That might be the true redefinition of the market right there. Yeah, that you you know it's it's safer to lock up more money in stars than trying to find these middle in middle in guys who you end up overpaying on yeah. July one. And you know, uh, O Dog made a made the best point about it on o- Overdrive the other day. He said, "Listen, at the end." of the day if the Leafs win it'll be because Dubis is a genius and look at what he did and look how he did it and if they don't win it'll be because of Dubis's like what he, it'll be his fault right right there's no middle you know there's no middle it, it's either that's win sports and you're, for you yeah winning you're sports. a hero losing you're a fucking zero yeah you know um so. I guess for the first time I think since we started the show we have some positive <laughs> Ottawa Senators News for you folks out For the there. first time in the show's history. <laughs> big moment here. So Thomas Shabbat actually signed a big deal. Eight-year contract. Uh, it'll pay him $8 million annual average value. And that's just outstanding deal. Good work by Ottawa to get a win. You know, make give the fans some relief. It's true. And it's a huge win. 
this isn't even just like a, a, a big deal. Like if he would have signed for four years that we'd be sitting here going, huh? I don't know if it makes sense of that. Yeah. Like, no, he signed eight years. So he wants to be there, which is really good for the team. This yeah. guy wants to be here. Uh, and then got we got to give him his money. They've got a shitload of cap space too. So there's really no excuse. And, and it finally kind of takes down the narrative that guys don't want to sign in Ottawa. Yeah, true. Because that's been kind of the, like, and it's not entirely true because Carlson did at least say publicly he did want to stay there and was interested in doing so. And it was more of the team not wanting to pay them. But I, th- I, I get the impression, too, that players haven't necessarily wanted to stick around, um, you know, especially considering all the drama that had gone on over the past couple of years. But, um, again, this is supposed to be a positive story. And, it is. Uh, it's big, a hugely big positive signing. story. He's an outstanding defenseman. He's going to be probably one of the best in the league for, you know, a few years, well, I think. For the, ma- for the majority of that deal, yeah. Thomas Shabbat is going to be, I'll, I'll go ahead and say a top – Top 10. Yeah, he's, he's going to be, be top 10. He's probably knocking on that door soon enough if he ha- uh, has another year like he did last year. And uh, he's, he's amazing. Talk about, talk about a great deal that you absolutely want to regret and an ideal player to build your team around. Yes, huge. Yeah, huge point. He's not just some flashy, hotshot scoring winger or something, right? Yeah. Like he is a cornerstone on that back end. Absolutely. Very and difficult. He's already to find. proven that, that he can do that. And he's been a stud, you know, throughout. Uh, throughout his hockey career and you know all the way coming up he's always been a a central component to whatever team he's played for so i said the other uh maybe a couple pods ago i don't remember but i explicitly said that no nathan mckinnon like contracts will ever happen again because of what we're going through with all these rfas and whatnot and thomas shabbat must have been listening and said no i'm gonna do one right now I'm going to do a Nathan McKinnon contract right now, Josh, because let's go. Are you telling me that right now, today, as we sit, that in, I'll go as low as five, but I want to say seven because it helps my point. Are you going to tell me that in five years from now, Thomas Shabbat is going to be worth eight mil? Oh, we don't even know what the cap's going to look like. Yeah, like it's going to be it's going to be nuts. That's the biggest thing, but I think it's I think it's an absolutely fair deal. Is kind of what I described it as. Just. And I maybe I'm still using that context of oh he hasn't been here that long so you can't give them too much money. Yeah, true. But I mean we just talked about the Leafs doing the same sort of thing. Well, it is an over, and we talked about that before too. Yeah. It is an overpayment today for the underpayment of tomorrow. Yeah, but yeah. I think I think a guy like Thomas Shabbat will enter Nathan McKinnon's status in the sense. Yeah. I don't that think it'll be that egregious. The underpayment or the yeah the underpayment yeah. is going to be. I think it's going. I don't to think be it'll age as poorly as the McKinnon one because McKinnon absolutely blew up after having a down year yeah true right so it was it was that kind of juxtaposition that that allowed us to see like holy shit like this guy is who we thought he was right he is who we thought he was (laughs) yeah (laughs) okay so listen what if shabbat goes out and is like the number one defenseman in terms of fantasy lit this year like like you know ottawa's not going to make the playoffs right so if he starts putting out like carlson like numbers yeah then you could say you can oh my say God, he's underpaid, underpaid already. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's good on Ottawa because I'm pretty sure he still has another year left on his ELC. So for them to yeah, do it yeah. early, get it done early, and 
and avoid what essentially happened to the Leafs and Marner because Mar- they they let Marner go into his third year and he puts up fucking 90, 94, 94 points. points. So yeah, true. there you go. Um, one more quick note. Um, Josh Coleman uh, gets a little bit of validation from Bob McKenzie the next day oh, after yeah. he, he we speculated on the podcast about uh, Dustin Bufflin's potential retirement. Uh, it was nice to see that uh, McKenzie did confirm he was, in fact, contemplating retirement. Um, the one question this kind of spurred for me, though, is like, do you think the the like the decimation of this roster might have had any impact on his decision to come come back and play? Like, would it would it affect his motivation? Do you think? Well, I I think there's there's merit to that point, um, but I think it's most important to look at his personal reasons for what he's going through. Right. If it's something uh, of substantial like if it's a if it's a substantial thing that he's going through personally then no he's not thinking about right. the team right or the fucking owners or you know what i mean he's just, like he's not thinking about that at all he's thinking about himself but you know if it's if it's something that he's kind of looking back and thinking geez you know i've been knocked around a bit uh, i know that's injuries. been the speculation yeah. because of injuries and he's never been known for being the the best physically conditioned right. player like i think he comes into camp like 260 sometimes yes yeah. I, I i think like if that's the case i don't necessarily know if it really is impactful in his decision but i can tell you one thing it doesn't help it no doesn't, it, it, does, no, it definitely does not help yeah i don't think he's like oh look at all this trouble oh fuck it i'm out of here i'm just gonna peace no i think he's kind of thinking like okay let me do some pros and cons here. Yeah. You know, and as he's going through the pros, he's realizing, well, geez, like. He must have been really on the fence, though, as so as to to take this absence, like, what, at the beginning of camp? Like, well, did that, he not report? Yeah, so, that's what I heard. Of, that's what I heard when they were talking about it on the radio, which was like the yeah. guys were saying, listen, no, like, we don't mean anything against Dustin Bufflin. Like, we wish him all the best. But when did he have this idea? Because, mm-hmm. because. Things things should have been done if this was coming down the pipe here. You would think they would have treated their offseason differently. Oh, my God. I like yeah. to give them the benefit of the doubt to think, you know, a leader on that team, a guy who's been there for a long time, might have been at least somewhat in communication with the team if he was having doubts about his ability or his desire to return. Well, we'll we'll we'll, we'll dive a little bit more into the Winnipeg Jets when we cover them later in the episode. Obviously, uh, being in the Ws, they'll come uh, towards the end of the episode, but... Um, yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot. Uh, there's a lot of meat on that bone. Let's go. Uh, right. Going through with the Winnipeg Jets. So some of the teams here, as we go through our Western uh, Conference preview, uh, some of the teams are going to be a little longer than others because of some of the moves they've made, some of the storylines that come in. Uh, some come teams into play. just aren't interesting, and some teams just aren't interesting. Yeah, and then you know what? Um, you know, we also can breeze right over the Minnesota Wild portion because we absolutely hammered Just them out. Just went on a tangent of Minnesota Wild <laughs> We hammered them out last week. But, yeah, I've got some numbers overall, uh, you know, position in the standings, wins, uh, power play, stuff like that. So... Um, I guess without further ado, why don't we just kick it right yeah, off, let's, let's go. let's get into it. Um, so we'll start off here, uh, alphabetical order with the A's. Uh, of course, the Anaheim Ducks, uh, they drop the mighty from their name, and they drop the mighty from their game. How's that one for a little 
for a little line last How time. long did it take you to come up with right that? Right now. Because I, oh, I, listen, I almost called them the Mighty Ducks, and I was like, oh, they're not the Mighty Ducks. So I was like, they took the Mighty out of the name, and they took it out of their fucking game. You're in mid-season form here, uh, right, Yeah, no kidding. Uh, finishing 13th in the conference, they got 35 wins, 80 points. Uh, not a good season for the Anaheim Ducks. Minus 52 in goals for and against. They were the worst team in the league in goals for. Uh, they were 24th in the league on the power play. Their index for the power play, if you index the two together, were 96.7. For those folks that don't know what I'm talking about right now, uh, basically they came up with a new way. I mean, it's been a while. It's been a couple of years, but they came up with a new way to determine how good your special teams were as a whole. So you take the power play percentage and the penalty kill percentage and you add them together. You're basically looking for a number that's north of 100. Correct, Let's go. I believe that's how it goes. A number north of 100 is at least a uh, like an acceptable uh, special teams index. And you'll see... The majority of uh, the top top teams in the league are going to have um, an index of, of over 100. So the index for the uh, Anaheim Ducks currently at 96.7, not very good. Um, they had a couple of guys moving in and a couple of guys moving out. This one, a little interesting, Lesko. They lose Corey Perry. Um, they lose Jake Dodgson and Ryan Kessler. So some of the older guys uh, heading out, uh, coming in for the Ducks, it's Nick Delorier. Michael Delzato and Anthony Stolarz. Uh, anything to uh, chew on there with the additions and subtractions? Obviously, the most interesting one is Corey Perry. They bought him out of that contract, I believe, and uh, he's ended up in Dallas. Um, so you can see them obviously beginning to move into a different direction, kind of a teardown of the old guard a little bit. I know Perry obviously was a prime candidate for that, given how he had you know, significantly underperformed over the last couple of seasons. <coughs> Excuse me. But other than that, um, not much else to say about them. I don't think they're a playoff team again this year. Uh, you know, they finally got rid of Randy. Uh, so that's probably a step Randy. in the right, dire- right direction as well and giving Dallas Akins an opportunity to show, uh, you know, finally getting another opportunity at, at the NHL level. Look at former Leaf coaches everywhere. Everywhere. Littered throughout the league. We were a graveyard for coaches yeah. for a little yeah, while exactly. there, eh? Well, I, yeah, I guess Akins Denver got a shot with the Leafs, though. His no. last... Uh, it was Edmonton there. Yes, where he was. yeah, that's yeah, right. So. Yeah, that's right. Anyway, not much interesting. I don't got anything further really to talk about them. They got some good young up and coming players, so hopefully you take a step in the right direction. But they need to get faster, and uh, they need to support that damn goalie. Yeah, well, I, there's your two points: the goalie and the young players. So you got Ma- guys like Max Comtois, Sam Steele coming in uh, to the Ducks. Um, they're almost kind of taking over the uh, the culture, I guess. Maybe it's you're you're approaching a culture shift for the Ducks right now with older guys like Perry and Kessler on their way out. Um, Getzlaf, uh, I, I feel like everyone is anticipating Getzlaf to have a bounce back season. It's one of my notes here for the team. Let's go. You're looking at basically a bounce back for fucking everybody. Um, but the the two biggest ones are Ryan Getzlaf and Ricard Raquel. Uh, Raquel is a fantasy beast in most seasons. I, I've had him for several seasons. Last year, I ended up dropping him. It was the first time I remember I was yeah, talking he, to him. he had a bad year. Yeah, he, he was always very valuable. I kept him for like a month too long because I said, I can't drop this guy. He's like, he's such a good fantasy player, but I ended up having to drop him. But if I'm, if I'm looking to give out some fantasy advice, which we'll obviously do as well for each team, just a couple of tidbits here. Um, I, I wouldn't be shy with Raquel. I don't think that his season could get worse than it did last year. Um, gets laugh. You can expect a bounce back from him. Uh, and, and John Gibson, I know the team doesn't do well, but John Gibson has good numbers. And if you're dealing with fantasy, you're dealing with things like save percentage and saves. 
maybe even starts. Uh, sometimes starts as a category in some leagues, and Gibson gets a lot of starts. The Ducks, if you remember, uh, going back to last year, Lesko, I was big on the whole schedule thing. The Ducks are a huge Sunday team. So if you can have a guy like Raquel and your goaltender or Getzlaff and your goaltender, even though Anaheim sucks as a team, that's pretty solid for fantasy coming into a Sunday uh, afternoon games or evening games. But, um, you know, they only scored one goal or less 29 times on the year last go. So you, you have to imagine that that number is going to go up in terms of goal scoring. I would hope so, but I'm just not entirely sure where it's going to come from. Like, I really think they're in a transition here. So it's going to be a lot of figuring it out for them. So we're both in agreement. Uh, no playoffs coming up here for the end. No playoffs. Oh. Too bad. We Arizona. Some, we need some uh, sound effects. Let's go to the desert. <laughs> All right. Well, we just came from the desert looking for uh, court documents. Uh, we'll see if we can get those together for you. <laughs> but uh, talking about the actual team. So the Arizona Coyotes actually had a pretty solid push, Lesko, uh, to try and make the playoffs last year. Uh, finishing ninth in the conference. Actually uh, accumulating 39 wins. Um, so there was some, there was something there uh, for the Coyotes last year. They, they were fifth, tied for fifth in the league uh, with goals against of 220. So they were right up there. Goaltending was great. The uh, combination of Darcy Kemper getting most of the starts and uh, anti Ranta. Uh, they did a very phenomenal job. T5 in goals against. But how about this? T28 in goals for only 209. So um, uh, that's a overall plus minus of minus 11. Not very good. Number one team in the league on the penalty kill, Lesko, 85%. 26th in the league <laughs> on the power play at 16. So it's almost like night and day. You got amazing goal uh, goals against a great power play, but then you can't put the puck in the net. Their I, index is over 100. The team should be better, but the numbers just weren't there. Yeah, I don't think they're... You know, I, I think they expected a lot more out of guys like Clay, Clayton Keller and Kristen Fisher. I mean, some of these young guys they got uh, to contribute more offense for the team, but it just hasn't quite happened for them yet. Now, what they have done, though, to address the offense, obviously, is bringing in Phil Kessel. Yeah, That's going to boost the power play numbers. That's going to start getting some more goals for. Um, I think they're a bubble team for sure. They, they have to be able to contend this year if they can replicate what they did late last season and generate more offense. And I think hopefully you're going to see some of that out of Phil Kessel. Well, Phil Kessel is um, our our player of the uh, segment here for the Arizona Coyotes. So you already touched on him. So we'll, we'll do the additions and subtractions. So in, you got Phil Kessel and Carl Soderberg. Uh, Carl, nice to see you. Um, and then out uh, this year, you got Alex Galchenyuk, Richard Panic, Kevin Connaughton, and Nick Cousins. So, um, with Phil Kessel, here's an important statistic. Let's go. The Arizona Coyotes have not had a 30 goal scorer since 2012. Wow. The Arizona Coyotes have not made the playoffs since 2012. 2012. So, um, are we thinking that all of a sudden a magical 30 goal scorer named who, Phil the Thrill Kessel, who scores 30 in his sleep? Who was the 30 goal scorer? Was it Radom Verbata? Oh, that's a great question. I don't know. I I'm wish... willing to bet it was Radom Verbata. <laughs> it could be Radom Verbata. Yeah, it's actually a, a, a unless good it was Don. But it could have been Donor yeah, too at that yeah. point. But Verbata is actually a decent guess. Um, um, but yeah, something important to note here too. Let's go. Um, in the off season, the Arizona Coyotes, or maybe it was just in the spring. I can't remember exactly when it was, but 
new ownership. That is huge for them. It is. That's the biggest story, I think, for the offseason yeah. story for them is a stable ownership situation, which they haven't had in forever, it feels like. Yeah, and it's my first point for a reason. Uh, they they're, they came out publicly and vowed to spend money. They said, we're not going to be a budget team anymore. Um, they didn't they didn't say that they were going to be a cap team uh, necessarily, but you don't have to be a cap team to... Uh, you know, to 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 contend. I guess. I mean, they've I'm been saying. they've been contending on a on a shoestring budget and a very young team. So it's 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 encouraging at least to hear that you know maybe there's a bit more vision instead of uh you know just trying to keep a team afloat. You're actually focused on making money and making the making it grow. Yeah, and I mean, there's no better way to make money than making the playoffs. Uh, right. You don't have to pay your players, uh, so <laughs> it's it's free money. Um, last uh, piece of info here for the uh, Arizona Coyotes, uh, some fantasy advice, and it's related to, uh, I guess, special teams here. Um, the Coyotes were last in the league in five-on-five goals, so they actually do most of their scoring uh, on on their terrible power, power play and <laughs> on their amazing penalty kill. Yeah, uh, They had 16 shorthanded goals last year, Lesko, an absolute... Uh, rip show on the PK and Brad Richardson uh, got a bunch of shorthanded points I think he may have had 16 points on his own uh, wow. something like that 12 or maybe I don't know it was, it was high it was a really high number of shorthanded points so that's what I had have written down here in the notes if shorthanded points is a category in your league uh, Brad Richardson who gets a lot of ice time not only five on five but also on the PK gets a lot of shots uh, Clayton Keller seems to be the obvious choice you talked about him before let's go he leads the team in assist points shots uh, and power play points as well even though the power play wasn't great but the power play should be getting significantly better uh, with the addition of a guy like Phil Kessel who's got that phenomenal shot uh, and of course one more point uh, we also we spoke about the goalie briefly but uh, Darcy Kemper last year 55 starts 27 wins he had a 0.925 and a 2.33 those are great numbers for your fantasy I mean the team you're you don't have to have Vasilevsky uh, you know uh, Freddie Anderson or uh, any other guy that you can think is going to win you a, a pile of games it, it, it comes down to numbers too man if your goalies are getting lit up a lot uh, they're not helping you if they're just getting you wins. And let's be honest, the Leafs, how many times did we have shutouts last year? Not very often. I think it was no. uh, like you can count them on a cartoon character's hand. You know how many times we had them. So it wasn't very many. Um, but I wouldn't uh, be shy uh, to go out and snag up a, a guy like Darcy Kemper, especially if you're the kind of poolie that doesn't want to fall into the goalie run you got your fourth or fifth round comes up everybody's fucking taking goalies and you're looking at all the amazing forwards that are still up there and you're thinking ah do i have to go take uh a decent g1 or should i take a a 40 goal score take the fucking 40 goal score and take darcy kemper later you'll thank me because there are things like additions and subtractions on your lineup you can drop a goalie and pick up another goalie if he plays Hopefully that's the kind of league that you're in because that's the kind of league that I tailor my discussions around. So uh, don't be afraid of a guy like Darcy Kemper uh, in net. We'll see if they can actually turn the corner this year, and I think they most definitely are going to contend for a spot. I think so too. Calgary Flames, where are we at with the Flames this season? I mean, they made some interesting tweaks to their lineup, bringing in Cam Talbot from the Oilers, um, obviously Milan Lucic um, for uh, James Neal, don't necessarily like that deal. I believe we did review it uh, when it occurred back in June. Uh, it, they may have shored up the goaltending situation a little bit, but I'm still, I'm still in the camp of I'm not sure who Cam Talbot is. 
because early in his career, he had fantastic numbers, put up a lot of wins, uh, stopped a lot of pucks, and then it seems like the wheels came off a little bit in Edmonton, uh, and then he bounced around a little bit, right? So, Well, I think one of the biggest issues with Cam Talbot was was the fact that you just, you just didn't know which goaltender was going to show up to the rink uh, for, for a pretty extended period of time. And then when, when you finally knew which goalie was coming to the rink, it wasn't the one you wanted. Yeah. So I, he went through a tumultuous period and was unable to really get it back and kind of fell into a, a real rough patch. And sometimes, like we all say, it's a big cliche in sports, but sometimes a change of scenery can really uh, do you wonder. So hopefully that's what we'll see. But it is interesting. Hey, let's go. You got Cam Talbot uh, leaving Calgary, going to Edmonton. Or sorry, leaving uh, Edmonton, going to Calgary. And Mike Smith doing the exact opposite, leaving Calgary and going to Edmonton. Yeah, and I'm not entirely sold on Cam Talbot as as even an upgrade from Mike Smith. Um, I know Mike Smith isn't the most consistent goaltender in the world, but you know you're you're taking it. You're definitely taking a chance on Cam Talbot somehow giving you uh, a better numbers. Because other than that, they didn't make a whole lot of changes on that team. Um, you can even argue that they sacrificed some potential offense in moving on from James Neal. Now, in saying that, there's guys like Sam Bennett who took a bit of a step. Um, I think in, they're hoping that they're going to get. Be able to find a little bit more offense out of Lucic. I wouldn't necessarily count on that, but I'm not an NHL GM, so we'll see how right. that goes for him. Well, I mean, you did. They they had five guys with over 74 points. Um, I mean, they're not necessarily scrambling for for depth scoring. Uh, tied for second in the NHL with 289 goals for actually ninth. So I mean, they're in the top 10 in both categories. Let's go. It was no wonder that they won 50 games. Uh, over 100 points and finished first in the conference. Special teams, middle of the pack. They'd like to improve on those, I'm sure. But, you know, a guy like Elias Lindholm um, comes over from Calgary a few seasons ago. And as we know, everyone that leaves Calgary just starts scoring all of a sudden. That's been a bit of a trend. So who knows? Maybe James Neal follows that trend too. Let's go. Leaves Calgary, goes over to Edmonton, rides shotgun with Dave and scores 28 goals this year. Uh, I guess it's a wait and see kind of thing. But um, basically their biggest thing, let's go, was offense this, this last, this past season, excuse me, they added 73 goals from the previous year. That's almost a goal per game. How yeah. the hell, how the hell do you add well, o- almost a goal per game? Obviously getting that kind of production out of Elias Lindholm was huge. I mean, that acquisition made a huge difference. Um, but I think it's, like I said, the emergence of Sam Bennett, uh, breakout year for Monaghan in terms of goal production. Uh, that's the kind of stuff that's going to continue for them to, uh, to push towards the top of the conference. And, you know, I don't know what they kind of damage they can do in the playoffs. I know they were a little disappointed last year, but uh, I expect another strong season out well, of the Flames. I mean, let's get let's be honest, too. we got a team coming up in our preview that we'll talk about in, in a few short minutes. Uh, the Colorado Avalanche absolutely steamrolled the Flames. Uh, I don't think the Flames were prepared for what Colorado was bringing. If you remember, Lesko, the Avalanche were in playoff mode starting like February. Yeah. And then they lost Miko Rantanen for an extended period of time. But they just kept rolling. They kept rolling yeah. even, even without Rantanen. And then Rantanen came back for the playoffs and was dominating with that huge first line. And Calgary had no response. I don't know if that's more of a of a factor in Calgary being not ready or if, if Colorado was just too good in that sense. The biggest thing I noticed was Colorado's speed just kind of, they ran amok yeah. against the Flames. And, and that was my number one criticism of the Flames during that series is that they just looked like they couldn't keep up. Now, a lot of that is McKinnon just blown by everyone. And True. he's one of the best skaters in the NHL. So it's it's not exactly fair for me to say 
Um, you know, you got to be able to match his speed. But it, I just, other than Gaudreau, I didn't see anyone who could really keep pace with a lot of Colorado's forwards. And it just uh, allowed Colorado to kind of have their way with them in terms of possession and, uh, and entering the zone. Couple of a uh, couple more important numbers for the Flames before we hit up the fantasy. Uh, Thirty-one and one. Let's go when leading after two periods and outscoring their opponents in the third period, one hundred and eighteen to sixty-four. That's plus fifty-four in the third period. So a lot of young, a uh, lot of young create uh, create ugh, creative players. A lot of creativity. That's what I was getting at. A lot of creativity on that Flames roster. Obviously, like I said before, five guys with seventy-four or more points. Basically, is if we're going through fantasy, man. Other than the net, I think you're good to go. No matter what you want, you got you got a slew of forwards that you could choose from uh, as far as fantasy is concerned. You talked about a breakout season for uh, Monahan, uh, Lindholm, obviously doing well. Goudreau is an obvious selection, and, and then course, on the Giordano, back end, exactly, yeah, yeah Giordano coming off a big season, right? So. Mm-hmm. Uh, hit up the Blackhawks though. I'm high on the Blackhawks, man. I gotta say, especially with the emergence of Debrinket last year, uh, finally putting up some huge goal totals. Uh, and I think you're gonna see, uh, you know, some pressure and some weight taken off Corey Crawford's shoulders because, unfortunately, you know, a guy who at, at a time seemed like he was one of the best goaltenders in the league has really struggled over the last couple of seasons. I think a lot of that due to injury, well, but the yeah. acquisition of Robin Leonard, I think is, is huge for them. Uh, Cause you know, it seems either one of those guys could potentially shoulder, shoulder the load or at least lighten the load on their counterpart. Well, you're right. And I mean, they've done a lot more than just bringing Leonard in and just for a moment on Leonard, let's go. I had to put it in brackets because I wanted to remind myself to talk to you about it. Is that one-year, $5 million contract to Robin Leonard not strike you as a little strange, given the fact that he was just nominated for the Masterson Trophy and won the William Jennings um, with uh, Thomas Grice on on Long Island? And if you remember, they gave him the award. It said New York Rangers. <laughs> yeah, New York yeah. Rangers. I wonder if that was some guy trolling him. I don't know. Like, I wonder if the guy making the thing That's was bad. a Rangers fan or something. Yeah, I don't know. And fucked with him. <laughs> But anyway, yeah, back to the contract. One year, five million. The guy just got nominated for a few awards, had an absolutely outstanding season. Um, what's up with that? Just one year, five mil? Is it a prove it kind of deal? You know, it's got to be a prove it. You can continue to do this. Um, I think if you're in the position of the Blackhawks, also you are not necessarily looking for a starter, but you're willing to pay a uh, you know a backup or a a one A one B type type situation a lot of money, um, just knowing that. Um, Crawford's injury history has really hurt them over the past couple seasons. You can almost bank on it. Yeah, so right? I, I think it's just it's it's a safety net for them. It's a smart place for them to spend some money, and typically they haven't had money over the years because they've been really bulking up, uh, especially up front, in order to uh, you know continue that cup contention. But since they had that, um, I, I would call it more of an adjustment year or a, a transition year where they've kind of realized okay, we've got to maybe get a little younger. We've got to shore up our goaltending position. So I really like what they've done in terms of dressing, addressing their needs. And they've also had some uh, pretty decent draft picks over the last couple of seasons as well. Um, and I think we might see something, you know, we might see a bit of a breakthrough for them in terms of getting back into it. Um, I'm not ready to write them off. And we still know that they have elite, a lot of elite level talent on that team. And you can definitely add to bring it to that list. One of the more interesting deals they made, I thought, in the offseason was bringing in Alex Nylander from Buffalo, who just couldn't seem to get in a, 
you know, I, I think he had a bit of an opportunity, but just couldn't seem to stick with the team. And that's the Yoki was, Haru deal, eh? He was very highly touted, you know what I mean? Like he he was drafted, what was he, seventh overall? Oh, yeah. Or eighth overall. So, I mean, there's a guy right there who the Blackhawks, I think, see someone that has a lot of untapped potential there. Well, and that, am I correct, right? That was the Henry Yoki Haru deal. Yoki Haru correct. from Elander. Yeah. And, and, and Chicago, there was a lot of, uh, negative energy from Chicago fans on that deal. Well, I think because it, it's it's the defensive aspect of Chicago's game. I mean, Brent Seabrook isn't what he once was. Um, Duncan Keith, to a certain degree, is starting to slow down. So the guys you're paying all your money to in the back end, and, I mean, they're not necessarily getting it done like they once did. So yeah. to give up a young, promising defenseman, I think, is a bit of a tough call. Yeah, true. A lot of, lot of new faces. So you talked about Robin Leonard, Alex Nylander, Andrew Shaw is back. Uh, for another go around with the Blackhawks, Zach Smith, Ryan Carpenter, Calvin DeHaan, Ole Mata. So a lot of NHL names there, Lesko. Do you yeah. see a lot of these ins and outs? We're not even listing some, listing some of them because nobody knows who they are. Um, but these ones are NHL ready players, man. And 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 on their way out, Cam Ward, uh, Dominic Cahoon, Henry Yokiharu, of course, for Nylander, uh, Marcus Kruger, uh, Chris Kunitz, Gustav Forling, and John Hayden. So. The, the the turnover for the team is pretty significant, which is why I'm kind of in agreement with you, dude. I'm not necessarily ready to write the Chicago Blackhawks off. Uh, 34 wins last year, 10th in the conference. I think they can get there. Um, they've got a lot of good options, and they've got a real solid piece on the back end as far as offense is concerned. And he is my fantasy uh, focus for the Chicago Blackhawks, my advice, uh, Eric Gustafson. So 60 points last year was an absolute uh, huge breakout year for the 27-year-old D-man. So if there's a guy on Chicago that's not named Patrick Kane that you want to really snag to try and separate some separation between you and your other GMs, it might be a guy like Eric Gustafson. Um, it's not that you can bank on him getting 60 points again this year, but uh, he did do it last year on a not-so-great Chicago team. And, and he's getting uh, the power play time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. thing for them. He gets the power play time. And my biggest thing too, dude, is uh, find me a better player than a guy in a contract year. And Eric Gustafson is that player. 27 years old. He will be a UFA at the end of the season. So if he's not going to be coming back to Chicago, you know damn well he's going to want to do everything he can to get some moolah somewhere else. Absolutely. And they did really bulk up a little bit on the back end. It seems they just decided to continue to go with a, a pretty experienced decor there in Calvin and inquiring Calvin DeHaan and Oli Mata. Uh, so we'll see if those work out. But a lot of it, I think, is going to come up to the, what kind of goaltending they can get out of Leonard. Can Leonard do it again this year? And can Crawford stay healthy? Because if those two things happen, I, I got to book them for a playoff spot. Do you think it's a win and you're in kind of uh, scenario almost in Chicago there? Like like once they get settled and they're both playing okay, because you know they're both going to play okay if they are healthy, right? So if they're both playing great, how do you get them both in? Is it win? It must be win and you're in. Win and you're in and, and just trying to balance the workload because if if – Corey Crawford is going to make it through the season. You got to think there's going to be a lot of load management going on True. there, and that's why they probably brought in a guy like Leonard to do it. A True. guy who was a, a a starting goalie last year, but did um, also give up a, a fair amount of starts to Thomas Grice, who played solid for the Islanders as well. Um, Islanders being a team with great defensive systems, right? See if Chicago can try and uh, 
try and replicate that success that they had. Maybe that's what the one year five mil is all about. Okay, listen, man, I know you had great numbers here, but it was mostly uh, how amazing, uh, I guess it was. uh, Yeah, because the others were a great defensive team, right? Yeah, yeah, trots, right? Coming in and making it work defensively. Um, So it'll be be a a challenge uh, for a team that collectively gave up the most goals in the league at 6.8. Sorry, I don't say gave up. They were factored in 6.8 goals per game for both teams. So that means that like when Chicago played someone, there was going to be about seven goals. Oh, yeah. Well, the Leafs had that barn burner with yeah. them in uh, October of last yeah. year. It was one of my favorite games I think I watched like all last year. That's a ton of goals, man. Like, you yeah. know, when you're going to the Madhouse on Madison, you're going to see some goals. Hopefully it's for the Blackhawks. But when you're giving up 63 power play goals, which is the most in the league, um, you need you need to fix your PK. So the number one on the on the list there probably fix the PK. Um, you know, a full season uh, for the new head coach and whatnot. Um, hopefully that uh, hopefully that'll get fixed because they're about twenty goals more than the league average. So I mean, you're going to win a lot more games. Let's go if you can fix that PK up a little. Yeah, bit. Yeah, just keep more pucks out of their net. That's going to be key for them. Pucks in deep. Colorado Avalanche. Obviously, uh, I think everyone's high on the Avalanche this year after they made that nice run in the playoffs. Uh, Nathan McKinnon, Miko Rantanen, if he gets signed, a couple of the, you know arguably the best players, you know top ten players in the NHL right now. Um, you, there could be an argument to be made that McKinnon is you know most definitely top three right now. I'd say so. Uh, big acquisition for them, obviously uh, bringing in Nazem Kadri. So really an upgrade if you kind of say you know he's he's out for Kerfoot because Naz is going to play second line for them and I think he's going to play a pretty significant role. Um, but obviously the big subtraction being Tyson Berry for them. Uh, they did also bring in uh, Donskoy and Burakovsky. Burakovsky is an interesting guy, I think. Um, the Washington was never able to get enough out of. He was never able to stick in the top six there. Might have an opportunity on that second line for Colorado. I, I had higher hopes for him personally. I think a lot of people did because yeah. they see the level of skill. skill. And just, you expect a better output. It's one of those moments where you're like, man, if I had that skill. You know? Because it's just like, not, not, I'm not knocking the guy. But, I mean, you know, some people have... Better drive or whatever. Better, I don't want to say passion, but more drive to be the fucking best, you know? And that's why Sidney Crosby is the best or right. was the best for so long because he doesn't go out and party and do all this stuff. And when, when the team is off for their bye week, there he is over there skating on an outdoor rink doing fucking <laughs> drills with a 13-year-old. That's why he's the best. Andre Burkowski, probably not. He's probably going, getting a couple of white Russians at the bar or something afterwards, <laughs> you know? And, but you have his skill and you match it up with that drive and that desire to be the best that you absolutely can be. And uh, I think that's that's what makes it uh, difficult when you're trying to draft players, Lesko, as a GM, or when you're trying to scout players, because all you get to see is them play on the ice. You don't get to see what they're like off the ice. What's their what's their mentality like as an athlete? Yeah, and I think that one of the guys to watch, obviously, is Kale McCarr. Um, he showed that what he's got in last year's playoffs. I mean, guy just walks in and plays like a beast. So he that was. kid is going to be a good fantasy option for you well, I, as well. I expect him to... Uh, see some power play time in Colorado. So, uh, I mean, lots of good options there. I know you wanted to talk a little about Lance Scog. I had him last year, and that guy's a power play goal machine. Yeah. Well, with uh, with quickly on Makar, I don't even have him listed, but I was thinking about that earlier today. Actually, as I was driving home, I was thinking to myself, man, I hope I can get Makar in, in my upcoming draft. It's a keeper pool, so he will be available, but it's all depending on who kept what defenseman and who needs defensemen more than other guys in our pool. I don't personally need one because I kept 
John Carlson, so I have a great uh, first option on D. But would I ever love to throw Kale McCarr uh, onto my lineup because I think he's going to be one of the most undervalued fantasy play. And he's a guy who might fall under the radar. Given like. given the fact that when you think, dude, about people who do their drafts on Yahoo, they're they're queuing their players normally based on what they did last year. Yeah, the ranking. This guy's not going to have any regular season stats. Zero. But if you go on like the ranking, projected the projection ranking, I think people are pretty high in him. If anyone watched him play last year, how could yeah. you not be? And True. it seems that he's going to be a, a an immediate offensive option for them. Uh, yeah. So Landeskog. So here's what I wanted to talk about Landeskog for, and I, I I had him last year actually as well. I was in two separate pools. I had him in one of my pools. Um, here's the thing on Landeskog. It's almost like the exact opposite of. Anze Kopitar, which again, we will talk about him in a little while, but he's the opposite of Kopitar in the sense that everyone's going to want to draft him high, super high. Everyone's going to be high on, on Colorado with that top line. They're going to be high on Landeskog with 34 goals, 75 points. You're probably going to have to draft him early, but here's the problem with that. Me personally, I don't know if I would want to risk one of those super high picks on Landeskog. If I can't get Miko or Nathan McKinnon, then I probably look elsewhere. Not that I'm not wanting Landeskog with the 75 points last year, but a little bit inflated maybe by the line mates. I don't think Landeskog is the driver of that line. Would you not agree? No, I don't think so, but he, he definitely has a knack for putting pucks in the net. So he's, he's, he's definitely someone who I would say you almost forget about after McKinnon and Rantanen because I know I was able to snag him pretty late in my draft last year. But if you don't get in the big three... Why not take a flyer on Nazem Kadri because yeah. he's going to be playing an offensive role, and we already know he's capable of scoring thirty goals a year if he has the opportunity to do so. What's your over under for Naz then? Are you I, thinking he gets gotta, to thirty? I'm going to peg him at twenty five. Okay, twenty five. Say if if all goes well for him over there and he makes a good adjustment, um, we'll see who his wingers are as well. True, yeah, um, and if he can maybe find his way onto that first string power play, that would really help inflate his numbers. Uh, so just the uh, the interesting point here for Colorado is how how quickly they got off to such a great start, uh, and everyone was thinking, "Oh man, here we go, Avalanche." That top line was the best in the league. Yeah, and they took a nap in the middle. Oh of the man, season. so that's what I've got right here. So December seventh, my mother's birthday, they won that night and put them to a total of seventeen seven and five through twenty nine games on the season. One of the best teams in the NHL on pace for 115 points after December 7th and up until March 16th, they played 42 games, 13, 22 and seven, 13 wins in 42 games, yeah, which they if made you that, prorate they made that charge at the end of well, the year, to get well, they had two. to, yeah. yeah, they had to just to snag eighth. If you prorate that 13 wins in 42 games, let's go. They are the Ottawa senators. Basically yeah. 64 and a half points yeah. would be their prorated, rate if you that's half the season 13 wins in in over half the season like that's not a slump man that's that's i don't even know what to call that but you're right they got it back together turned it on down the stretch and then they lost rantanen for a while he was out they fucking won games without him anyway and they came right down to the wire just snuck in and then rolled the calgary flames in the first in the first round so what what are you thinking on that like when a team goes through almost a half a season of absolute horrible play like and then all of a sudden they turn it on. Like, what are you expecting? Are we expecting the playoff? Uh, the playoff? Uh, oh my God, Colorado Avalanche or 
the midseason Colorado Avalanche? Like, I don't know what to expect coming into this year. I expect them to be more like the team we saw in the playoffs just because they did make that late season push. They put themselves in the playoffs, and that's a big rallying point and a turning point for a team, you got to think, and they want to carry that momentum into this season. And, uh, you know, it, they, like you said, they got off to that good start. They had a midseason slump. It was pretty long slump, though. That's the thing. And I know people were kind of scratching their heads. And without really knowing what went on, you know, what was the change, what was the tweak, it's, it's hard to say, you know, what, what we can expect to see. But you got to think that they figured it out. And with the level of confidence they were playing with in the playoffs, I got to think it's going to continue into next year. I think it also hurt them as well, Lesko. And I'm glad I did notice this before we move on to the Dallas Stars. Uh, 3 and 12 in overtime with Nathan McKinnon. I'll stop there. Yeah, <laughs> with Nathan Brandon, McKinnon, Tyson yeah, I know, but, but like, with Nathan McKinnon on your team, how do you go? How do you go three yeah, and twelve? That's, that's I, a weird one. I feel like, to be completely honest with you, you, me, and Nathan McKinnon, McKinnon could probably win more than three games, more than three games, three on three against three other NHL players. Yeah, we just lie down in the in front of the crease. Just and... yeah, getting just just man on man and and kick it, kick it to Nate. And, yeah, you know, like three and twelve. That's anyway. That's all joking aside. That's really surprising to me uh, with a player uh, like that. And then, of course, as you mentioned, you throw in guys like Miko Rantanen and Tyson Berry, who can play like a forward three on three. You just say, okay, guys, off you go, and 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 uh, come back when you win the game. But they didn't. They kept losing them. So I guess we'll go on to the Dallas Stars now. Uh, one of the more active teams, definitely in the off season here. Um, they, you know, seem to have got themselves where we always expect them to be last year. I mean, they were competitive. They won a playoff round. Um, but it's really the offseason story about them is the acquisitions they made, bringing in Pavelski, bringing in Corey Perry on a good deal, bringing in Sakara, uh, And then, obviously, their uh, late-season trade deadline acquisition, Matt Sugarello's out, Brett Ritchie's out, uh, Jason Spezza, uh, the newest member of the Maple Leafs, uh, Pitlick out, Nishushin, Jesus. Nishushkin. Nishushin. Fuck that guy. Fuck <laughs> him. He's gone. Nishushkin. He's, He's gone. gone. He's gone. Yeah, and uh, Mark Mathot and Lovejoy as well. Where the hell did Mathot go? Mathot is UFA still. He's still UFA? I know. Wow, that's shocking. I know, but we'll ha- we'd rather have Maritzen. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But, but so, uh, well, let's just move on. Yeah, Mark yeah. Mathot, UFA. Um, Ty Felber, still around. Sticking around. Right? Still around. I mean, season starts in like a week, right? Yeah. I'll have to catch me a Stars game if he gets in there. When's the final cuts? I don't know. We've hey, got to be coming up. We've got to hey, be within the week, right? Did 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 you see the uh, GIF or GIF or whatever the fuck it's called? Did you see the, the GIF of uh, Sam Gerrard breaking Felly's ankles? No, I didn't see that. Oh, I got to see that. You're you show me that. I got to show it to you. That's too bad. It is. Because, you know, Ty is a great player. But um, I've, I've, I'm sure you have to have. I've shared the ice with him several times. Like he's an unbelievable player, even when he's not trying. Um, I mean, it goes to show he's in an NHL camp right now. There's only 700 and some spots uh, on the planet, right, for guys to be in the league. And even if you're in camp a week and a half before the season starts, you're obviously a, a great, great hockey player. So uh, congratulations for Ty for being involved in that camp, and all the best to him. Still trying to get him on the show. Um, we'll see what we can do, but yeah, dude, uh, Gerard, Sam Gerard's in the corner and, uh, Feli is just like four checking him and he shoulder fakes and spin spins and, uh, and Ty totally falls for it and t- 
tries to correct himself and his two feet just went like out from uh, um, just buckled. Yeah, <laughs> buckled himself and wow. went straight down pretty uh Pretty, pretty funny. So well, yeah, watch out. That Gerard is pretty shifty guy too. <laughs> yeah. We didn't even mention him talking Colorado, but still on Dallas here. Um, what what do we got for Dallas in terms of fantasy here, Coleman? All right. Well, obviously the most uh, clear the clear front runner is Tyler Sagan. I mean, the guy shoots five, six, eight times a night. Um, he factors in uh, into thirty eight percent of all Dallas uh, Stars goals. Yeah. That, a lot of their offense is they're top heavy. Jamie Benn, uh, Rajalov. I mean, that's yeah. one of the one of the premier first lines in the NHL. So you can't go wrong with any of those guys. Yeah. So I would say, yeah, you'd want to go. Sagan's your number one guy on the Dallas Stars. I don't think you're going to find too many sleeper options back there. Um, maybe you're looking at a guy like Miro Heiskanen. If uh, if you're able to get in front of the uh, get in front of the draft board and snag up a guy like Brent Burns or. Morgan Riley or Mark Giordano and kind of separate yourself from the rest of the pack in terms of D-men, you might be able to add a secondary option like Miro Haskin. Um, he gets a lot of power play time, uh, shoots a lot as well, uh, and is a young and up-and-coming player. So he'd be a good one there. Um, for goalies, I'd say like Bishop, Bishop is maybe, he could be regarded as the best goalie in the league if he would play like one if he would stay healthy too the guy gets hurt so much i don't mean play like one like talent wise i mean actually play he doesn't play so um maybe if you're looking at bishop i if you draft bishop in your pool you have to draft kudobin you just have to um, you're going to have to run with three goalies. Get Bishop. Get another guy like uh, I don't know, like a like a Martin Jones or uh, someone like that that's on a decent team but doesn't put up the greatest numbers. That would be a good option for your second goalie. And then get Kudobin. Fuck your fourth line player that you're going to bench every night. Get a third goalie that you can that you can plug in in case Bishop goes down. Um, there are 14 back to backs this year for the Dallas Stars, so that's a that's basically a minimum of 14 starts. Uh, for Anton Kudobin, plus any more if any injuries happen to uh, to Ben Bishop. So yeah. that's what I would do uh, if I were looking at Dallas Stars goalies. Yeah, and obviously uh, Joe Pavelski is uh, an interesting choice to make there. you got to think he's going to be on that first power play unit, uh, net front presence, just making unreal tips. So, uh, you know, despite uh, Pavelski you know, getting up there a little bit in age, uh, he hasn't shown any signs of slowing down yet, but... Uh, you know, maybe not necessarily what he was a few seasons ago in terms of output, but uh, if he's going to be playing with talented players and there's plenty of them on Dallas Stars, there's no reason why he can't score a bunch of goals. Yeah, you know, you talked about Jamie Benn too. I'm glad I scrolled down a little bit because I saw my note, my last question on, on my uh, questions for you here were, um, is, 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 are we looking at a potential, a potential decline for an older Jamie Ben. I mean, he had 79 points two years ago, 53 last year. So yeah, that's that was, a pretty big drop off. That was really surprising. And, and you would have thought, given the successful season that they had, and I've always been a big Jamie Ben fan, uh, you know, of his all around game and everything. So I, I really think he's going to, he, he's fully capable of putting up a higher total than that. And uh, if you look at his career numbers, I mean, they're indicative that he's fully capable of putting up a, uh, much better numbers. It's true, but he is uh, north of 30, and I feel like that may be the new the new 35. I mean, are, are we not seeing the 32 to 36-year-old free agents kind of being shooed out of the NHL these days with these high-profile players demanding all the money and then 
guys that just want to kick around and continue playing, taking league minimum. We're kind of taking the middle class player and throwing him out the door. Yeah, I just not think that Jamie Ben is a middle still, class player. I just think he's still too good, and and, and you shouldn't expect. Uh, you should expect more than last season. I think. What did you say? Fifty three points. Yeah, fifty three. Yeah. I mean, he's got to be. He's going to be at least. He's got to be at least in the sixty five range. You know, thirty thirty would be fine if yeah. he's putting up. And if he's putting up the goals like he did two years ago, scored thirty six. You know, it's strange, man. He went forty one goals, twenty six goals, thirty six goals, twenty seven goals. So if. Uh, if uh, the pattern is developing here, he's going to score 35 goals this year. Yeah, and the team hasn't really found a, a really good level of consistency. Um, they seem to settle down and obviously have a pretty successful season overall last year. So they continue to build on that. Like this, Dallas is a team that I've been high on for years, but I think they've really seemed to uh, do a good job of uh, bringing in some valuable assets to to make them a little bit better over the last couple of seasons. And we'll see if they can continue to improve. All right, rolling right along here. We're actually doing pretty well, my friend, uh, just over an hour here. Um, so we're, we're, we're rolling pretty well. Uh, Edmonton Oilers. Um, big off season. Yeah. Edmonton. Big yeah. off season. Big lots off season. of news, lots of drama. I mean, I, I got to think right away the the Pooley Arvey story is, is one of the weirdest ones. I know we haven't really talked about it too much, but it seemed to be all anyone in Edmonton could talk about all summer as uh, what are they going to do with this guy? Is he a third liner? Is he a first liner? Should he play in the A? Well, it turns out he goes back to Finland on a one-year contract. Like that is, that's got to be terrible news if you're, you know, Ken Holland just getting on the job. Losing uh, one of your assets. Yeah, and, and, and you know, apparently the, he had demanded a trade, thinking he wasn't getting a very good opportunity, but... I don't know if there's any real tr- real truth to that because he seems like he'd played a, a fair amount of NHL games and uh, you know despite the Oilers not having a ton of options that wing could never seem to get a, a consistent level of ice time or any o- offensive output. I mean, sure he wants to play with McDavid, but you got to earn it, right? Yeah, and I mean, you know, here's the thing: I'm not going to go out on a limb or on record, I should say. I'm not going to go on record and say that uh, Jesse Puljujarvi wouldn't have amounted to anything if he played elsewhere because we don't really know and we'll never know or maybe we will know maybe he'll come back and go somewhere else but at this point in time my opinion on on Jesse Pugliarvi is this he wasn't ready no and that's it I tried to look into it a little bit because I'm like he might never be what is the answer because he was so highly touted um but and I looked back and saw who he used to play with eh? he used to play with Line and Barkov so I, I'm wondering oh, if that had a, a huge impact. And, you know, a lot of the scouting assessments was like, can score it well and, you know, pretty sp- strong on his feet and all this kind of stuff. And he was, he was a big kid too. But I wonder if that really inflated his numbers and maybe in turn inflated his, his uh, draft value because he was just lighting it up with those guys. And, uh, you know, you go into a different situation where, say, in Bakersfield in the AHL, he had to be the guy or really had to show he could light it in the A before he could make it to the NHL but didn't have – nearly the same supporting cast as those superstars he grew up playing with. Yeah, no kidding. Um, okay, so, yeah, we'll see how that plays out. Now, if he comes back after his uh, one-year deal, let's go, he will still be, uh, his rights will still be held by the Oilers. I believe that, so, yeah. yeah he's okay. he's still be in RFA. So along with uh, Yessi Pugliarvi on the way out the door, uh, Cam Talbot, spoke about him before, Andre Sekera, Milan Lucic, of course, Tobias Reeder and his zero goals, and <laughs> all zero of his goals are gone. <laughs> and Ty Ratty, 
Poor Tobias Reader. Uh, coming in, of course, James Neal, Mike Smith. Already spoke with them. Uh, Marcus Granland, Josh Archibald, and Thomas Yurko. Uh, anything jumping off the page? Uh, not really. Those? Not really at all. Other than, you know, James Neal, James Neal might not be fleet of foot, but if... He can score. He can snipe. The yeah. guy can shoot the puck. So hopefully, I mean, I, I have to imagine the plan is to play the guy with McDavid and hope that they light the lamp together. Well, think about it this way too, dude. Wherever James Neal goes, what happens? Wins. So he goes to Pittsburgh. Now, they came after the, they came after the cup runs, but it's still important to note that they were a winning, a winning team when he was there. So Pittsburgh, all they do is win. Nashville, all they do is win. Then he goes over to Vegas. They win immediately. Calgary has a phenomenal season last year, even though he didn't even do anything. He, yeah. He's still the team had a great year. So Pittsburgh, Nashville, Vegas, Calgary, now Edmonton. Um, hopefully the trend will continue. I know Ken Holland has his fingers crossed that maybe James Neal is his uh, rabbit's foot, so to speak. Yeah, and you got to think if they're trying to uh, get a little bit more of that veteran presence that they seem to be high on with, with Lucic originally, uh, there's a good guy to do it because he has been there for, you know, he's been in the show for a long time. He scored a ton of goals. He's had cup runs. He's gone deep in the playoffs several times, just like you said. Uh, so, you know, there are some intangibles, positive intangibles that do come with a guy like James Neal. Um, still a bit of a head scratcher of a uh, deal for me, but I guess it's a slight change of scenery, but not really that different considering you're just going uh, down the highway in Alberta. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> um, so before we move on, a quick fantasy focus. Uh, really, let's go nothing <laughs> outside of uh, Leon and Connor. Pretty much it. That's pretty much it. Um, honestly, if you want to take a late round flyer on a James Neal, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna laugh at you. I'll laugh at you if you take him in the eighth round. Uh, but I'm not going to be laughing at you if you take him in the 14th or 15th round uh, on your roster because he could have a break, uh, a breakthrough, or I should say a bounce back. But honestly, let's go. McDavid factoring in on 50.7 of the goals for. That's 116 of their 229 goals that they scored this not year. Not even surprising. That he factored in. I mean, those are those are like 1980s numbers, you know? Yeah. Like when one guy just completely dominates on the team. Um, 25 losses by three goals or more, which is absolutely horrifying uh, if you're a fan of that team. And uh, at this point in time, we don't really know who the starter is going to be. You have an old uh, GM that went out and gave a ridiculous contract to a goalie who had played five <laughs> minutes in the league. Right before he got fired. And then he got canned. <laughs> and now you got a new GM in with a new coach and a new goalie. So I don't know who's going to run with this net. I'm a little worried about it. I'd stay as far away from Edmonton goalie as I possibly could. I'd wait for them to prove it to me, and then I'd pick them up off of fucking waivers. Yeah, I keep an eye on them. Um, you know, I, I say this every year. But you hope you see some improvement out of the Edmonton Oilers, but I just I really don't see it in the moves they made. How they're you know significantly better or worse than last year. I I, I really don't expect them to make the playoffs again. I mean, you, you got to think Connor's going to do everything he can, but he has done everything he can over the past few years, and it's just not been good enough. No, it hasn't. Um, at this point in time, we're we're looking for the best player in the world to play in the playoffs. It would be so nice. So let's fucking go, Edmonton. Would uh, be nice. Make some playoffs. I want to watch Connor rip it up in April. All right, LA Kings, still bad. <laughs> that's, that's, my, my, that's my review. <laughs> that's the top. No, yeah, they're still bad. Like, they're just horrible. 15th in the conference, 31 wins, uh, last place in goals, four. Tied for 25th in goals against. They were minus 60 this year. 
Uh, let's go in and out. Uh, we're done in uh, two names. Alex Turcotte was drafted fifth overall. Um, so we're not sure if he's going to see some time. Maybe he'll see his nine games. Uh, Joaquin Ryan comes in as well and out. Uh, former Leaf Dion Phaneuf, who's still uh, out there looking for work. And Brendan Leipzig. Real quick, let's go, only because I noticed the Alex Turcotte at fifth overall. I want to dial back. I wanted to ask you about Chicago with Kirby Doc. Are we thinking that Kirby Doc is going to make uh, the Chicago Blackhawks this year. I don't know if I'm putting you on the spot here because I don't know too much about him. But you know, you got Kako is going to play. You got Hughes is is going to play. Yeah. And uh, and then third overall is Kirby Doc. And and it was kind of a surprise when they chose him at third overall. He seems like he's got the right toolkit to play in the NHL. Absolutely, but just based on the some of the acquisitions the Hawks made and bringing in a lot of veteran guys yeah, and, very true. and filling in the holes, it appears that he might not be first in line and they might put a bit of a, a development focus on him, uh, especially considering... I know I think they think they're going to improve. I think they're going to improve, but you're not sure what kind of environment you're putting that guy in. I mean, if they're going to have a dismal season like they did last year, uh, you don't want this guy to play a lot of hockey and just kind of give him the, the depth uh, that the Blackhawks brought in. Um, unless he can find a way to play a, a, an important offensive role for them, his uh, development might be better elsewhere. Yeah, true. I was just, yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point to wrap it up to because you want, you want the development to be positive uh, for the player and not negative. Yeah. So, yeah, so Alex Turcotte, two picks later after Kirby Doc uh, for the LA Kings, dropped the fifth overall. Not sure if we'll see him. But uh, yeah, as you mentioned, they're 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 pretty bad. Um, there was no goal scoring at all in Southern California between the Anaheim Ducks and the LA Kings. They were the worst two teams in the league uh, scoring goals. So um, we got to have goals come from somewhere, and this kind of brings up that Kopitar point that I was talking about before Lesko, where. Kopitar is the opposite of a guy like Landeskog. Landeskog is going to be drafted super high. Hopefully, he can continue. Kopitar probably going to be uh, he's going to be uh, slept upon. I don't think people are going to be jumping up to take a, a guy like Kopitar in, in the first four or five rounds like they were in the last few seasons with only twenty two goals and sixty points uh, to his credit last year. I think you might be able to sit back a little bit. And snag up a guy like Kopitar a little bit later. Because in my estimation, I think Kopitar is a guy that is going to have a bounce back season. I don't see him being that kind of player that continues to fall off or maybe gives in. You know, oh, the team sucks. Yeah, I'm I'm moping around. I don't want to bring my A game. I think he's a, a real prideful kind of player. And, and I, I think we can expect a, uh, a turnaround uh, for Anze Kopitar. I think him and Doughty obviously have to be... Uh you know, having a bounce back year this season if the Kings are going to have a shot at anything. Uh, so you got to you gotta think that both of those guys too, like you said, to probably take a lot of pride in their game, probably real pissed off about what went on in uh, for LA last year. I know it was, uh, you know, somewhat predictable. People weren't high on the Kings to begin with. They're old, they're slow, whatnot has been the story about them for a while now. They are old. Um, bringing in a new coach as well, Todd McClellan. So we'll see if that shakes things up. I mean, a uh, bit of a short tenure in Edmonton, but uh, well, they they love just picking up and throwing coaches around. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah no doubt. <laughs> yeah, uh, but at, at this point, let's go. Let me just ask you straight up: Are you anticipating anything other than a lottery finish? That's that's where I'd peg them. I mean, someone has to be there, right? Someone's got to be there. You and hate just, to go it through. Seems it. most li- most likely to be then them, and uh, I just I just don't see how they find a way to compete and. Uh, I know that division is not exactly what it once was, but there's there's just not enough room for them. 
Okay. Uh, quick fantasy before we move on. Uh, I already talked about Kopitar. You might be able to uh, sleep on him and get him a little bit later. Um, if you if you really want to open up the file, we could look at uh, Tyler Toffoli, who shoots a ton, uh, 226 shots last year, and he had a very low shooting percentage, uh, about 5.8. So, um, you know, you can expect that shooting percentage maybe to, to be bumped up to the 8 or 9 um, where he would expect to be. Uh, hopefully you get a few more goals. And then finally, Lesko, I don't know what to tell you or the listeners about the goaltenders. Um, we had Jonathan Quick here, 46 starts, 888 save percentage. Jack Campbell, 25 starts, uh, 928 save percentage. So are we looking at Quick or Campbell? Like It seems to be this thing in LA where... Like they're gonna put your head on a stake if you don't start. Well, it seems it, it seems when you're paying him that kind of money and him being really a hero for that team for years, uh, keeping them in a lot of hockey games, maybe they necessarily shouldn't be in. Uh, but you got to look at uh, Jack Campbell's numbers from last year, and if you watched him play at all, uh, he seems like he's might be turning a corner. So it could be just a matter of you know, show me for both of them. And, you know, the guy who's playing better is going to take the reins. Either way, I guess my fantasy advice is probably stay away from the... Stay away from the Kings. <laughs> yeah, stay away from the Kings. Uh, most importantly, uh, their goal. Yeah, and so. we want to talk fantasy. Well, you we can't talk about fantasy without the offensive juggernaut Minnesota Wild. Minnesota Wild. Which, obviously, we hammered away on them last <laughs> podcast. Big story, obviously, was the GM change and the offseason drama there. Right. Um, not a whole lot of moves. I guess going through that management turmoil would probably um, be the reason for that. Uh, Zuccarello coming in at a five-year, $6 million deal. Love Zuccarello, love the player. Don't quite understand the signing, but I guess you got to do something. Yeah. Um, they also brought in Ryan Hartman, which isn't a bad addition. Uh, out is Eric Fair, who I didn't know was still in the NHL. <laughs> Ponis Auberg, who's at Leaf Camp right now and doesn't look like he's going to make the team. And some guy I've never heard of. So <laughs> do you have anything else on the Minnesota Wild, my um, friend? I is do. Dubnik going to be better this year? Well, I guess is the big question. Because I know Dubnik owners in fantasy last year were probably pretty pissed off because Dubnik's been an absolute fantasy stud in terms of shutouts yeah. and in terms of wins and obviously starts because he plays the bulk of their games. Well, that's just it. And and, and here's the thing. I mean, I didn't own Dubnik last year, so I can't, uh, you know, sit here and, and, and speak from experience. Um, and maybe, maybe certain leagues are different. Let's go with not having, maybe certain leagues don't have things like save percentage or, or goals against average. Maybe it's straight wins, shutouts. Yeah, if you're talking you know? just wins and shutouts, he, he, you're fucked. He wasn't quite yeah. what he had been in previous years. But here's the thing though. And I heard this, uh, as I was doing my homework to come up with this preparation, I'm glad I found this. Did you know that in the last five years, Devin Dubnik has been in the top 10 in the NHL in wins every season? Yeah, that doesn't surprise me at all. Right? No, it doesn't surprise you. But it is important to note moving forward for fantasy. So if you're thinking like, ah, I don't know, Dubnik owners might not want to go back to that well again. I'm in the camp where I'm I'm fully confident to go back to that well, knowing that I've got a guy that is consistently going to put up some wins for And you me. know he's going to start a lot of games and he might be someone you can snag later. You know, he might not yeah. go as high as he once did just because he's coming off a bit of a bad year. Yeah, true, true. Yeah, so um, I think, I, I don't know, I feel like uh, Minnesota's probably one of those teams that, that won't be counted as a playoff team, but we've talked about it at length on this pod, Lesko. The Wild are just that team that seemed to be there uh, or they're close to being there or they end up making it and losing the first round. Like, somehow they're better than, they're better on the ice, I think, 
than they are on paper. They're hanging around, that's for sure. And uh, so, But obviously, we've talked about them enough. So let's head over to Nashville. We'll head right down um, to the country music capital of the world. Man, like Nashville really made a splash this offseason, obviously. I, I, I do like the PK deal, um, even though they didn't get a huge return on it. But it cleared this way for Matt Duchesne. And mm-hmm. center's been a bit of a point of weakness. I mean, we want to look back at a, a bad trade, a bad one-for-one deal they did do, and that was the Johansson trade. Now, mind you, they were desperate for centermen at the time. and But I don't think he's necessarily a first-line center. Matt Duchesne can be that guy for you, um, giving up Seth Jones for, uh, for you know, Johansson, I, I think, was not obviously the right call in hindsight, but uh, they have seemed to have addressed that need by bringing in Matt Duchesne. And uh, you got to figure him and if him and Forsberg can develop some chemistry uh, that those two guys are going to pop off this year, man, you bring up Seth Jones and you kind of make me wonder, like think of all the great defensemen, their defense factory, the great defensemen that have just moved on from Nashville. They, they, you know, right. Shea Weber, Seth Jones, Ryan Suter. They've never been afraid to, PK Subban. to sell out on the surplus, right? <laughs> Ryan Ellis, good option back there too, right? Yeah, so you're right. They are, that's a perfect way to put it, uh, defense factory. Um, and the numbers show it, Lesko. Uh, 47 wins, third in the conference, 212 goals against, which is tied for third in the NHL, um, plus 24. Uh, obviously, the most important, um, the ugliest and most important number of the season is their power play, 12.9%. Absolutely horrible 31st in the NHL. Um, I think uh, bringing in a guy like Matt Duchesne is obviously going to help that. I don't think that the addition of Matt Duchesne is going to all of a sudden make them a top 10 team on the power play, but it's, it's, it's obviously going to help. Oh, and it's gotta, it, it's just gotta be better. I mean, you look at the personnel, you got a guy like Arvidsson, uh, who's a, not a fantastic breakout year. Um, Forsberg, oh, man, he was who's on a, pace for like 50, by the way. Yeah. And, pro, and, um, uh, Forsberg, who's a, you know, uh, one of the better goal scorers in this league. There's no reason why that power play shouldn't be better than, uh, how they produced last year. So I'd expect to see some improvement. Well, think about the injuries they went through also, Lesko. You, ha- you-, you lost Victor Arvidsson for 20 games. You lost P.K. Subban for 20 games. You lost Philip Forsberg for 21 games. And it was all at pretty bad times. They were horrible times. Well, it's yeah. never a great time, right? But, but it's yeah, they were bad times. Arvidsson had 34 goals in 58 games this season. I mean, if you prorate that over an 82-game schedule, that's just under 50 goals. Yeah, I mean, that, that line was firing Phenomenal. pretty on all cylinders up until uh, those injuries because I know... Uh, as a Philip Forsberg owner, I was quite disappointed and uh, I believe had uh, Johansson at a period of time. And uh, obviously, when your wingers get hurt, that's going to put a huge dent in your production. Uh, the playoffs uh, did not... Uh, you, you think maybe the playoffs will come around and it'll it'll pick up some of your game. Didn't help the power play. They went 0 for 15 in the playoffs versus Dallas. Obviously, a huge reason for that first round uh, loss. Um, only two wins all year last year, Lesko, versus Winnipeg and St. Louis, which are obviously in a tough central division. So the road to the cup final is obviously getting out of your division. You're going to have to be able to beat teams like Winnipeg, St. Louis. Then you got other teams like Colorado and Dallas that have improved. You got Chicago is in there as a bit of a wild card. I mean, the Atlantic division was regarded last year and coming into the season last year as 
probably the most difficult division, even though they had some weaker teams. I think this year it's completely flipped. I'm looking I, at the central division. I think division. it's the central, and you might there could be an argument towards the end of last season that was the central, just because you have so many teams that were in it and so close. And playing hot, too. Yeah, and playing good hockey. So uh, unlike the Atlantic, where you might have kind of a, a big separation between the big three and then the rest of the teams, um, I think that situation is going to change. We'll obviously hit, hit that up next week in the Eastern Commerce preview. But, man, just definitely a tough path for them. Uh, and and it really, I think, has forced the hands of some of these teams to stay competitive. I think that's one of the reasons why the Blackhawks had to be so active. I mean, well, they you, don't want to throw in the towel. They still have yeah, the Kane and the Taves, exactly. right? Like and, they want to go. And Nashville, obviously, they've found a way to remain competitive and consistent for a number of years, and probably still think that they have a potential cup run, and, and they might have to make that uh, before the wheels completely fell off, fall off of Pecorine. Well, and that's also why you're looking at a team like Minnesota uh, making some changes uh, and saying, listen, we're not ready to start the rebuild, even though um, guys like myself, I'm not proclaiming to be this know-it-all in the sport, but I do cover the sport as we do this podcast. So I do a little bit more digging on teams that I don't normally give a fuck about, but here I am looking into their statistics and what makes them tick and what makes them miss the playoffs. And, you know, Billy Guerin comes in and he's, he's given a file and they say, Hey, take this file and turn it into a cup. Like, I don't know if that's going to be possible in a division <laughs> like this one. Yeah. The one that's so deep. I mean, it's so it, deep. It's going to be tough, but uh, definitely one of the more uh, exciting divisions too, just because like I said, you're going to have uh, a lot of very competitive teams that are uh, thinking that they have an opportunity to uh, go deep and maybe challenge for a cup. And hey, St. Louis proved that you know if you can make it there, you can do it. Right? You don't have to be. Uh, yeah, very true. You know, and, and you can be last in the league uh, in January. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I mean, it's a, a good never give up kind of story, right? Uh, all right. Speaking about never give up, let's move on to the San Jose Sharks. So we're talking about never giving up for the San Jose Sharks. What do the San Jose Sharks? mean to you let's go if i just threw this at you right now and, and said hey what are the sharks well you got to figure they're one of the best run best managed franchises in the nhl over For the decades? last what 20 years <laughs> 20 years yeah consistent not just playoff team but contenders yeah right so and they've found a way to consistently um stay relevant uh wilson's done a fantastic job down there as gm uh wheeling and dealing constantly not afraid to shake things up um, obviously the toughest thing they went through in the off season was saying goodbye to their captain, Joe Pavelski, especially after some of the heroics we saw in last year's playoffs. Um, unfortunately they just had to, they had to pay their guys and it was just a matter of a, a cap crunch. And let's face it, they've been up against the cap for several years now. So it was only a matter of time before, uh, someone had to go, right? Yeah, no doubt. And, and you know, if, if, if someone were to ask me that same question, let's go, what are the San Jose Sharks or, or maybe even better if you said, uh, sum up the San Jose Sharks in one word, I would have said consistency. Um, the consistency has been there for the Sharks. Do you remember a time in recent years when the Sharks just weren't for- oh, like, formidable? Exactly. They've, they've always, always been formidable. They've always been good. And you got the like, em- not even just good. They've been very good yeah. for a long time. Oh, yeah. And they just haven't been able to get there. You got the emergence of guys like Meyer, I think, are going to play a huge role in that team. I mean, he had a breakout season last year as well. Uh, obviously Couture is, is ready kind of to fill in the space that or fill in the void left behind by Pavelski. Well, a new captain uh, too, right? Just kind of the, the younger version essentially of him 
Yeah, you're right. Um, you know, yeah. Maybe not necessarily the same level of raw skill, but or, or play, I mean, can yeah. bury goals with the best of them, right? Clutch too, eh? Yeah. A very clutch kind yeah, of guy. Yeah, had an excellent playoff for them last year. Uh, you got a guy like LeBanc, I know, who's emerged as well to, to put up some goals. And, you know, they brought Big Joe back as well, right? So, you know, I know I've been saying this for years, but who we all, I think we all want to say, we all want to see Big Joe win a Stanley Cup. I think so. I think most fans, um, biased or not, would would you know under truth. I think serum, if you're a hockey truth fan, serum would tell you they'd like you to like, see it. Yeah, you like a guy who who would pull out his dick if he scored four goals. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. So yeah, some pretty key subtractions in the lineup. Let's go. You mentioned Joe Pavelski. They also lost Joe Donskoy. It's a pretty decent depth player. Uh, Justin Braun on the back end, Joaquin Ryan and Gustav Nyquist uh, as well. So Forgot they even got him. Yeah, well they got him for the for, for the playoff run. Yeah. So you know he was only there for a little while, but uh, tied for second in goals four with two hundred and eighty nine. But tied or excuse me, sitting at twenty first in the league in goals against with two hundred and fifty eight. It is a plus thirty one uh, goals against differential, but I mean Aaron Aaron uh, Aaron Dell and Martin Jones, the combination backup there uh in san jose really didn't get it done no uh, they're they're year. not the best tandem and that might be the weakest point again for them this season it's just not getting the goaltending i think but jones has done it before though he, he has but i think uh, it might be a bit of a symptom of of how good that team was and uh you know he might have had a bit of a flash in the pan you know a, a good few years and then seems to have he, he just in the last couple years, I, I just don't think you can trust him. And unfortunately, with given their cap situation, there was there's really no better option. He just yeah. has to be better for them. Yeah, he does. He does. And I, I really hope he is because I drafted him in uh, in that serious pool that I got into. Uh, so we had our draft last week, and I uh, my goalie is Martin Jones. My goalies are Martin Jones and Jacob Markstrom. So Yikes. yeah, I know, but I got some really good, but I did the thing. Yeah. I, you, you went offense and then, yeah. Then goalies late. Fuck yeah. it. Because yeah. I'll, it, it's unlimited pickups in that pool and I'll just stream goalies and one, a goalie will get hot and who cares? I'd rather have 40 goals than yeah. a goalie that might not bring it that year, you know? Yeah. And what are you telling me that you're, are you guaranteeing Martin Jones to have a bad season? No, no, I don't, I don't think, think so. Would, right? and, and you know what? At the end of the day, he's still going to pick up wins because of how good the team is. True. Like, yeah, very we, true. Like we said, perennial contender, always consistent. They're going to make the playoffs. So it takes a certain number of wins to get there. You know they're going to get them. It just might not be pretty. True. Uh, speaking of them being very good, um, one more uh, key important stat. And then something interesting I want to throw to you before we move on to the Stanley Cup champion St. Louis Blues. Uh, San Jose Sharks, 32-14-4 versus the Western Conference. So... Uh, real, real strong uh, playing up and down the West Coast and into the Western Conference. So um, obviously that's important. Let's go. I, I don't know what their stats are versus the East. We are doing the Western Conference preview. So I just wanted to talk a little bit uh, with you about how important it is to be uh, on top of your game when you're playing teams within your conference and going 32, 14, and 4 is obviously a way to show the rest of your conference that, hey, we're one of the top dogs here. Yeah, and, you know, the Pacific was always uh, kind of a deadly d- division, but that that's really changed in recent years. I mean, uh, we talked about the downfall of the Ducks and the downfall of the LA Kings, I think, has really changed the landscape for them. And when you're, you know, other than the Avalanche, they don't really have a whole lot of threats uh, that they play against on a regular basis. 
Um, you know, the Coyotes, I think, are on the, uh, you know, they're up and comers, but they're still not in that category. So other than, you know, Vegas and Colorado, right. there's not a whole lot to wrestle with in the Pacific Division. There's, yeah. a, there's a huge gap right well, now. Well, yeah, and you're looking at the other teams in the, in the state of California. They're the two worst worst goal-scoring teams in the NHL. That's right. So wait, come and, on, And they've got to play them right, right there. Well, eight how times many, is that eight games yeah. right there at least. Like, so. Come on, Jones. You, you must be able to get me a couple of SOs against uh, SoCal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Southern California so. teams. Uh, all right, last tidbit here on the Sharks before we move on. Um, I heard this on the radio, and I thought it was extremely interesting. I had to rewind it so I could get the right stat. They have $47.25 million already committed to the cap in 2024. That's five years from now. They have a lot of guys on long-term deals. That's a ton of money yeah. on, on some term. You're going to have some aging vets with nowhere to go and no team want wanting them. That's what's interesting is like, you know, uh, unlike the Leafs who have all their money locked up and, and pretty young guys, the guys outside of Johnny T, right. you got the, the Sharks who have term and money locked into guys who are more in their late 20s and even going into their 30s. The right? twilight, we'll call yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how those pan out. But and, the, and the new CBA too, right? Like I, we wonder how that's going to work out. Yeah, and you got to love that uh, San Jose's mentality though. I mean, it's like they've had a now or never mentality for a long time and it's, it's been good to them. So um, like I said, you guys think they're going to be competitive and you know, you get a couple cups, you know what they say, nobody, nobody's going to care about contracts. True, true, exactly. They don't ask how, they ask how many. Uh, quickly, how many points for Jumbo Joe? We, Jumbo we, Joe, uh, he's been down a little bit, eh? I know. Um, did he play eighty two last year? I uh, thought he was no, hurt a little no, bit. No, no, he yeah. was hurt. Yeah, 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 he was hurting. I, I, you know, he still has some value, but he, don't rush out to get him. And I, I believe even in my pool last year, he was available as a, a free agent. As a free going agent, into yeah. the, going into the season, I'd give him. An, um, I'd give him an over under at like. 35 yeah. maybe he's 30? playing he's playing third line but he is playing power play so there is some value there it's just not it's not what it once was he's been a fantasy stud for 20 years so yeah, he, <laughs> yeah. he has right you almost have to draft him out of out of respect, respect yeah. yeah respect he's gonna go on to yahoo and be like how the fuck am i only 36 36 percent owned this is bullshit yeah uh, all right moving on uh okay stanley cup champs st louis blues Are people sleeping on the Blues this year? I wish I had some Gloria that I could play right now. Um, Are they sleeping on the Blues? Yes. Because you hear about analysts and talking about their puck or their Stanley Cup picks. I mean, I hear a lot of you know the 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 same characters, right? The San Jose's, um, Pittsburgh, Washington. You know, people are high on Vegas. I just don't see a lot of love going to the St. Louis Blues. No, well, is that is that your note that you added into the prep there? Yeah. Analyst seems so if you look at the very bottom, there was my note. Are the Blues going to be the most disrespected cup champ yeah, ever? Yeah, I think they're already being disrespected That's what I'm a little saying, bit. Right? And, you know, that might be a bit of a motivating factor factor for them because that's probably what they experienced probably the bulk of last season was was people think writing them off and thinking they were done. I mean, this team has not changed a lot. Uh, probably one of the biggest subtractions they had was playoff hero Patrick Maroon. Yeah. The milk bag himself. Did you see did you see what he did uh, to the Predators? Or no, who where is he where's where is he now? He's he's on a he's on a tryout with someone right now. No, you got a contract. Oh, he did get a contract. Yeah, he got oh, a contract. okay. I must be thinking of someone else. But Patrick Maroon, wherever he's playing right now and I don't know if you're looking it up, but you could and let me, and let, and let <laughs> that, me know. That would be great. No, but um, he fought someone and then uh, flashed his uh, 
Stanley Cup ring. Right. To, I, I, oh, yeah, I did. To, see to that. the bench. Did you see it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's pretty funny, eh? Oh, Lightning. Uh, he's, he's, he's with the Lightning. Yeah. Of course. He's yeah, with the Lightning. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, it was against Nashville. That's right. what it was. He was right. Because they had beaten them in the playoffs. Yeah. He fought someone. He fought someone. Um, against Nashville and then as he was going to the to the penalty box or whatever the bench was chirping him so he he kissed he kissed his fake ring uh, there, yeah. which was a pretty good chirp Cheeky. I thought that was good Cheeky. Uh, but yeah uh, Maroon out Michael Delzato out Jordan Schmaltz out so you're right not a ton of turnover uh, for the St. Louis Blues I think Maroon is going to be missed um, as far as you know being a hometown boy is concerned being the guy that scored the double overtime, I think, double overtime winner. Yeah, they gave Biddington his money, though. So Yeah, true. I, that's what I, I think why these guys had to move out, essentially, is they, they had to pay Biddington. And uh, he's got to be the biggest question mark, maybe, and why people might not be high on the Blues, because how much can we really say we know about Biddington, other than he was you know on fire and played lights out last year and was a pivotal factor into that team's not only their turnaround but their Stanley Cup victory. Yeah, they were, but you know what? You got to be honest here. If you look at the numbers in the Stanley Cup final specifically, he was only kind of just average. Right, but you look at that game seven, and, yeah. and he amazing. I mean, he almost stole the game. <laughs> well, he stole the first two periods. Yeah, correct. Yeah, he right? did, and then yeah. the, the team kind of took over. But that's the thing about goaltending; it is fickle, man. Yeah, it, it can be. It's difficult to do the Martin Brodeur and the Dominic Hasek and the Grant Fear uh, kind of uh, mentality where we're playing all the time and we're playing our best one hundred percent every goddamn time. Well, we don't know how many games this guy's going to start. Like. We don't know how many he can start in a season and still be viable for the playoffs, right? So that's going to be something that the the staff there and the Blues are going to have to figure out is, uh, you know, what kind of load is Jake Allen going to uh, shoulder for them, uh, even though they probably don't trust the guy whatsoever. Well, I did read an article on Jake Allen the other day, and um, it was it was brought to, to, to Allen's attention very early, like right after the, the Stanley Cup win, everyone's partying, having a great time. He said ownership and management came directly to me and said, you're here. You're here. Right. You're they're our still, guy. We're, they still believe in him we're enough not, to keep yeah, him around. We're not trading you. We're not looking for another backup. It's going to be Jordan and you. Yeah. So, yeah, load management, and they want to get Jake Allen back into the net and get him playing at a better level than he has been over the last couple of seasons. So all of a sudden, if Bennington doesn't suffer a sophomore slump, which often can happen, if he doesn't suffer that sophomore slump and Jake Allen has a bounce back year, let's go, all of a sudden the Blues are going to be one of the top teams in terms of the goalies. Yeah, I mean, what? I, I got to peg him for, you know, definitely a Stanley Cup contender. Absolutely. They proved they can do it. Uh, adding Justin Falk doesn't hurt to the equation. Uh, that's a big mm-hmm. addition overall for them. So expect them to be competitive this year. And hey, nothing nothing brings the team together like winning, right? Yeah, no kidding. Uh, quick uh, couple points on the Blues. Um their most impressive statistic for sure, um, tied for fifth in goals against. So they were a good defensive team. They finished fi- uh, fifth in the conference with 45 wins. But most importantly, um, January 3rd, of course, as everyone knows, they were in last place in the NHL. Um, January 9th, their record was 15, 18, and 4. Uh, after January 9th, their record was 30, 10, and 5. I mean, we're talking two completely different teams, very similar to the Colorado Avalanche uh, situation, um, where we saw one team that was absolutely horrible, lottery-style pick, and then the other team, with the same fucking players on it, uh, was 
you know, Tampa Bay Lightning. <laughs> That's how good they were um, for, for parts of the season. And that just goes to show you what a team like, like how important or how, I guess not important, how impressive, how impressive it is, let's go for a team like, Tampa Bay or, or or any other team that's been statistically historically great for those teams to keep it up all season long. I mean, that's really impressive. You look at the St. Louis Blues, they won the cup, but they were last place uh, almost halfway through the season. Like how, how does that even work? Yeah, I don't know, man, but I, I really expect them to be much more of the blues. We saw in the second half of the season, the blues we saw in the playoffs um, you know, in tough in that division, like we said, but uh, they definitely have everything they need. They got goal scoring, they got defense. You know, like we said, the only question mark here is the goaltending. If they get it, I mean, you got to figure they're a contender. All right, so we only got three more teams left. Um, last couple notes on the Blues Mark Savard is in uh, as a special teams uh, assistant coach. So um, looking to improve upon their power play and penalty kill. videos? But they were top taping, 10. Taping sticks? No. You're taping twigs? No. So he's doing a YouTube series uh, before he got on Sportsnet there. Okay. And he, was, he would say, like, this is how so-and-so tapes a stick. And, this, and he's, like, I guess, like, obsessed with stick tape jobs and, like, would actually go and, like, rip tape off player sticks and retape them for them because <laughs> he hated the way they taped them. So if you ever get a chance, check that out on that YouTube. Is it's kind of it's kind of cool, and he, he gives you like a little tour on how each player does it and how how to do it properly. Like the OV with just the just the yeah, end, he, he does all the, the different stick, ones, yeah. and he he'll kind of talk about it and why they might do this. And oh, that's pretty yeah, it's pretty interesting. If um, you're do you put any that stuff. do you put any stock into like the whole hangover thing? And the only reason why I ask is because they played 108 games last there, year. There's definitely something to be said about that because not only you. You play in that many games, it's it's going to wear you down. Because um, think about it, the off season really isn't that long. I know it seems long for us fans. Yeah, it does. But <laughs> you got to take into effect or uh, take into account here that these guys were partying anywhere from one week to probably a month uh, yeah. with the cup throughout the summer too. So you might not have been hitting the gym as early as you would on a regular off season. Well, here's the reason why I ask, and this is an important statistic before we move on to the next team. The last four of the five Stanley Cup champions, Pittsburgh is the exception, the last four of the five champions did not win a playoff round after winning the Stanley Cup, um, factoring in that LA missed the playoffs entirely. And of course, Pittsburgh, not only are the not only are they an exception to the list, they actually went back to back. Right. So um, are we putting in any stock into that? Are we going to be, are you going to be surprised if St. Louis misses the playoffs this year? I would be for you would sure. Be surprised. Yeah, just and just as it was surprising to see any of those other teams, uh, well, LA Kings at the time missed the playoffs after going, uh, you know, doing a cup run like that. Yeah. So it's, it, I think it would definitely be surprising. See, I think the only reason why I personally would say that it wouldn't really surprise me is because of the fact that they were fucking horrible for October, November, December, and almost half of January. Yeah. They were horrible. So how, how can you go back to that? Like, you, no, like, I don't think they're going to learn back. the lesson. Yeah. Right? You're right. I don't think they're going to go. No, back no. I know to what you it, mean but... though by saying that it wouldn't be surprising because you're like, okay, well, they were this bad. Yeah, they didn't dominate all time. year. Yeah, but uh, you got to think when you turn that corner, you're not going to look back. All right. So moving right along, what do we got here? We got one, two. We only got three teams left. Is Vancouver man. still bad? Um, that's an interesting question. Uh, I think that Vancouver is probably going to. I think they're going to struggle a little bit, but I think they got better. I think they got better. They've gotten better just because they're starting to graduate the young guys into the system. I mean, obviously, Patterson is an elite goal scorer. 
Uh, their goaltending shored up a little bit. Um, you know, Quinn Hughes, I think, will hopefully make a, a, an impact on their blue line this year. But they still just got those ridiculous contracts. Like, man, Jim Benning, that guy, like, he gets a lot of leash. I know he does. And, you know, you're talking about the contracts and Quinton Hughes. I might as well cover this while we're, while we're hovering over it. They still have that recapture penalty for Roberto Luongo. Right, the Luongo penalty. The that Luongo sucks. penalty is going to be a big deal, Lesko, because it's, it's, it's three years at just over three million, like it's three million and less than a hundred thousand, or so, almost a hundred thousand. So it's about three million bucks for three years. The, the The reason why this is going to be important is because the final year of the Roberto Luongo recapture penalty is the same year that Elias Pettersson and Quinton Hughes are going to need contracts. That is a tough, tough go, and especially when you've got all this money locked into replacement level fourth liners, like. Beagle and Louis Erickson, so that's that's not a good luck going into those negotiations. But you know, I think that I think you're going to see a little bit more growth out of them this year. Obviously, the, the offense has come along. Like I said, the goal tank shored up. Um, you know, they're they're not going to be terrible, but they're they're also in tough, right? They're they're in a tough spot in that division. So well, they don't score enough. Okay, like 219 goals last year. That's good for 25th, tied for 25th. Just quickly, I'll go over it with you. In 2018, they were 26th in the league with 218 goals. In 2017, they were 29th in the league with 178 goals. And in 2016, they were 29th in the league with 186 goals. They don't score. They haven't scored goals for four fucking years. Is 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 Pedersen and Besser and Horvat like are they going to be able to bump that number from 219? to maybe closer to a little bit more acceptable number 250 like we're talking 30 or 35 goals just to get them to the the middle of the pack yeah, less they definitely don't have offensive depth and that's probably you know one of their number one weaknesses uh, and also a you know a defense core that's you know arguably a defense uh, an NHL level defense core so but I think if you see some growth, if we see some growth this year out of guys like Besser, Horvat, and and Pedersen, uh, that's that's probably going to help make up some of the gap. But again, without any real depth, it's hard to tell. Um, you know, if they, if they have the offense required to put themselves in the playoff conversation, um, tied for seventeenth in goals against, they were a minus twenty nine on the season. Uh, their index is under a hundred at ninety eight point two, so not fantastic there. Uh, they did uh, address the lack of size, maybe the lack of grit uh, and toughness, which is something that obviously Brian Burke would be happy about, but is kind of going the way of the typewriter. But Jim Benning uh, addressing the lack of size. So coming in, JT Miller, Michael Furland, uh, Tyler Myers, and Jordy Benz. So some physical presence um, being addressed with those additions. Moving out, Marcus Granlund, Derek Pouliot, Ryan Spooner and Ben Hutton. So yeah. a little bit of smaller, more skill set kind of guys on their way out. And like you pointed out, because they've got some of those guys. Well, they've already. got they've got guys, you know, flashy skill guys, right? So mm-hmm. it's you know, you bring in more complimentary pieces. Now I love the additions of Miller, Furlan, Myers, Ben. Like, you know, that's uh, that Myers contract was huge. 
you know, you got some stronger defensemen now, and you've got some grittier forwards and who can chip in with some offense. I just don't like the amount of money they spent on these guys. And like you said, pointed out earlier, uh, you've got some huge contracts to hand out soon. I mean, they just got Besser on a, on a bridge deal. But still, I mean, in three years when that contract's up, you're going to have a lot of money locked into some, you know, some not – not the type of players you want to have a lot no. of money locked up. That's in, what we talked about before, right? and that's and, where and like the long the term on some of these deals. I just I like I said, Jim Benning gets a lot of leash, and I don't quite understand it. I know Canucks fans have been calling for his head for quite a while now, yeah. and uh, you know it might be it might not happen until these deals catch up with them. That's very true, and I mean, like I said, that with four straight years of missing the playoffs, they they need something to to help get them back there. And I just don't know if they're going to be able to pick up almost a goal a game here. I don't think they're there yet. Like they're just they're not they're not quite where they need to be. They've got to continue to develop the young the young core and those uh, good draft picks they made. But it, it's it like I said, so unpredictable because we don't know what their situation is going to look like, uh, given the guys they've locked in. But did they get better? Yes, they absolutely yeah, they did. But I'm just not convinced they're going to compete yeah because your question was are they still bad i said well i kind of determined maybe they're in minnesota wild territory yeah they're yeah they're entering minnesota wild territory the mediocre zone (laughs) (laughs) uh all right quick fantasy uh focus here uh for you poolies i mean it seems obvious um to look at petterson uh in this situation kind of took control of the league early let's go if you remember every time you looked at your fucking phone elias petterson had two goals elias unreal petterson to watch had four goals like <laughs> it was crazy at least if you're a fan or if you stay up for the the doubleheader on saturday nights the canucks have become a team worth watching and elias petterson huge part of that so here's an interesting point though and i i'm i'm wondering if 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 uh if you didn't read this in the prep if you would have had any idea that this was true did you know that after January 23rd, I believe it was, um, Elias Pettersson had five goals. That's it. Took him a bit. What What do you mean? To, no, no. I'm saying like he tore it up and then at the end of January, he was like, okay, I'm done. I'm only going I'm, I'm to score five more. I wonder if like, you know, maybe the team being out of it or, or something had an effect. But also there was an injury to... Uh, to Horvat wasn't there as well. Yeah, well, and, and didn't wasn't Pedersen also the guy that got slammed? Yeah, he, was he out, did. He, he did. Got yeah, he got, I forgot he got that concussion. Right? Oh, who gave that to him? Matheson, yeah, from Florida. Yeah, you're right. He fucking gave him the old like full Nelson there. Boom! It was like the rock bottom almost <laughs> after he hit him into the boards. Yeah, he, he slammed rock him. bottomed him. Yeah. Uh, rock bottomed him down. So so that could obviously be a factor. But yeah, only five goals after uh, late January. So. Um, you'd have to imagine, I guess what I'm getting at here is you can't anticipate Pedersen only scoring five goals in the months of February and March. You're going to anticipate a few more goals. So I think he might even be a better fantasy option if you factor in um, some more goals later on in the season. Uh, obviously, moving on, a little bit uh, chalky with these picks, but you, you talked about Besser and Horvat already. They're great options up front. It seems obvious. Um, Markstrom, I told you already, I got him in one of my pools. The reason why I took him is because he gets a lot of starts. So I'm going to have numbers contributing to my pool. They might not be fantastic, but as far as his save percentage is concerned, his goals against average, it's not actually that bad. So uh, Markstrom might not be a bad uh, goalie two option if you're uh, if you're looking for some uh, some help in nets. So 
Where are we at now, dude? Uh, we got We're one good. more. Vegas, We're sub two hours. We got Vegas yeah. and Jets. All right, hammer it Vegas out. Vegas and Jets. All right, so uh, Vegas, obviously. Um, we might have some Austin Matthews news here as oh, well nice. to okay, deal well, with. So. Okay, well, keep on. You you research that. I'll rhyme off Vegas. You rhyme this off, and I, I'm going to do some digging here. So <laughs> All right, I, do I, some you digging. might have noticed I've been distracted here for That's a couple minutes because I thought I'd check in on the situation. Yeah, nice. Do, yeah, so, the lawyer's office hasn't called me yet. So. It doesn't. <laughs> I'll just tell you it doesn't look good, but go ahead. Oh, okay. Well, that it not looking good is probably looking good for our podcast. But uh, all right, Vegas Golden Knights. So uh, finishing seventh in the conference last year, um, forty three wins, tied for thirteenth in the NHL with goals for two hundred forty six. Uh, they were tenth in goals against with two hundred and twenty eight. So that's only a plus minus of uh, plus eighteen. So they weren't as great as they were in their inaugural season. Uh, power play and penalty kill index the two of them at 97.7 so under 100 points there they'd like to get that up Uh, coming in Curtis McKenzie don't even know who he is Garrett Sparks don't even know who he is Uh, on the way out Colin Miller Ryan Carpenter Eric Halla and David Clarkson the old David Clarkson he's gone Uh, former Leaf now reacquired uh, for LTIR reasons um, what are my notes here for Vegas? I don't have too, too many. Um, the power play really struggled uh, this year in comparison to last year. It was 16.8% this year, good for 25th in the league. Last year, it was 21.4%, so much better. That was good for 11th. Um, one really interesting point here, Lesko, if I can peel you away from your phone, I do want you to pay attention to this point because I wanted to know what you thought about this. During Nate Schmidt's suspension, the Vegas Golden Knights went 8-11-1. When he returned, they went 19-4-3. Is he still underrated? Like, Would you still consider him underrated? Because I, I thought I had thought he was going back to when he played in Washington. Well, Obviously, he's kind of broke out with yeah. Vegas now. But uh, it just goes to show you the kind of impact that guy has. Well, with numbers like that, I mean, come on. You, you, you can't ignore that, Lesko. I mean, 19-4-3. It's not like I'm telling you they were slightly above 500. Right. After being slightly below. They were yeah. slightly below 500, and then they were unstoppable Right. when he was in the lineup. It's not obviously all about Nate Schmidt, but it's important uh, it's important to note. You know what else, dude? Uh, dialing the clock way back to our Edmonton Oilers hour. I wanted to talk to you about that too because it's a, a similar situation where the Oilers were looking real de- They were looking good, actually. And then Clefbaum got hurt and they went 6-12-3 without Clefbaum. And, and the, the season just fucking fell apart. So Nate Schmidt, he's out. The Vegas Golden Knights can't even, they can barely win a game. All of a sudden he comes back and they're absolutely unstoppable. So um, I feel like certain players, while they may not contribute that much on the score sheet or whatever, I feel like there is some intangibles that are difficult for us fans to see because we're not in the locker room. We're not on the bench. We're not at the team dinners. We're not at the arcade or fucking laser tag or Fortnite tournaments or whatever they do these days. We don't get to see what kind of teammate can help a team mesh and and, and play well. So I think Nate Schmidt might be that kind of guy. But they're basically the same team, uh, Lesko, as we saw last year with, uh, with minimal changes uh, to their lineup. Um, 61 starts last year for Marc-Andre Fleury. Are you concerned at all about his age? Turns, nah, man. turns 35 he's, in He's November. so solid. And goalies, it's funny, like these real good goalies, I mean, especially these guys who've 
been around the block and been out unreal for years. I expect nothing nothing less than and than strong play from Mark Andre Fleury. I mean, he's a rock for that team, and he seems that he's not showing any signs of slowing down and, and continues to start a lot of games, win a lot of games, post great numbers, and a lot of shout-outs too. Um, so fantasy focus, uh, Pacioretty is a good option. He shoots a lot, um, plays on the power play. Wasn't uh, super fantastic with his first go-around with Vegas, but you know now here he is full season. Um, I don't know exactly what to expect for Pacioretty, but I would say that I'd be confident with having a guy like Pacioretty on my roster. It really just depends on uh, your pool where uh, you know where players are going to be drafted. You don't want to jump up too early and take a guy like Pacioretty. But if you're looking at your queue and you're thinking, oh, this guy, that guy, and, and Pacioretty's there, um, I think he's a pretty solid option. Um, I wanted to point out Shea Theodore as well. Uh, Lesko on the back end. I believe that uh, for no reason really other than a gut feeling, I've got a feeling that Shea Theodore is going to be a good, um, maybe even so go so far as to call him a sleeper pick uh, this year. He'll probably slip pretty far in the draft. You might be able to get ahead of the curve with an elite guy and then follow him up with Theodore. Kind of talked about other D-men earlier uh, on the pod as well. Uh, Full year for Mark Stone. Uh, uh, for the Vegas Golden Knights could be a year where he really busts it open. Um, I'm anticipating a season unlike no other uh, for Mark Stone. I'm a big Mark Stone guy. Uh, Let's go. I think he's got the tools capable to be a point-per-game player uh, in the NHL. All right. Last, I'm, you, you want to go you, Winnipeg? You want to go Matthews? Go ahead. You hit that. And I'm, I'm still reading the incident report. So the incident report's out um, for his disorderly <laughs> okay. conduct, disruptive, dis, disruptive behavior. It's, uh, it's there's a lot of allegations here, and it's not it's not great. So I'll, I love it. I'll just keep going. I'll keep reading. <laughs> I fucking love it. Okay, I can't wait to get to it. All right, last team, Winnipeg Jets. Um, at this point... I don't know what to say about the Winnipeg Jets. Um, lots going on. Uh, let's just talk about last season quickly. Fourth in the conference, seventh in the league in goals for with 270. They fill the net. 15th in the league with 243 goals against. Middle of the pack, plus 27 on the season. Uh, their their power play index is fantastic. Uh, fourth in, fourth uh, in the league on the power play at 24.8%. Uh, just under 80% on the PK. That's good for 22nd. Uh, but their index is 104. So really fantastic special teams uh, out in Winnipeg. Obviously, things are going to change. Um, in, we have Neil Pionk, uh, former Ranger, part of the Jacob Truba trade. Out, of course, Jacob Truba, uh, Tyler Myers, Ben Sherratt, Joe Morrow, Brandon Tanev. Stop me if you heard a bunch of regular defensemen that play for the Winnipeg Jets because there were three of them on that list. Truba Myers and Sherratt gone. Uh, And then, of course, the news that was uh, leaking out last week about Bufflin and his potential retirement. We talked about it earlier on the Puck Pod. Um, If he's out to Lesko, I wouldn't even be surprised if this team struggled. Struggled to find a spot. I really have no idea where they're going to be this year. And Line A and Connor are unsigned, and the puck drops in like eight days or whatever it is. Uh, it's right around the corner. 
my second bullet point here is what the hell is happening in Winnipeg? One minute they're a, a D-heavy cup contender, and the next minute they have no more D-men, and they can't even come to terms with two of their most prominent forwards in Patrick Laine uh, and Kyle Connor. So at this point, I guess I'm just asking you, Lesko, if, if let's say Laine and Connor are back, okay? Let's just, let's just eliminate that all and say Laine and Connor are back. Do you still believe that they've lost a step in the Central Division? Oh, most definitely, and especially considering how good that division is, how deep it is, how good those players are. Um, I know Winnipeg's kind of, kind of been a, a you know potentially a cup favorite. I would say over the last couple seasons, so this is a really different outlook for them going into this season. Uh, it's 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 it'll be really interesting to see if first of all they can get those guys under contract and if they can actually remain competitive here. Uh, especially with the the absence of Dustin Bufflin. I mean, we talked about it last week. Their defense doesn't look nearly as, as scary as it once did. Um, you know, I'm not really – I don't really have the Jets as high as, uh, you know, we might have seen them in previous seasons. I, and you know what? I think you, along with most other people who call themselves uh, analysts or, or knowledgeable fans at this point in time, because I don't think you can anticipate Winnipeg being a dominating force out there uh, without some of those big ticket name players that have that have gone, a um, couple of key statistics from last season: they lost nine games when leading after two. Uh, that leads to the NHL um, in in coughing up victories that were within your sights. Um, they're they're just average at five on five scoring. Let's go only plus five on the season while at even strength five on five. Uh, Patrick Laine. Um, this has to get out there. So from December 21st until February 20th, Line A scored one goal in 22 games. Um, a week later, March 1st to April 6th, he got one goal in 19 games. So if my math is correct, that's two goals in 41 games, 28 goals in the other 41. So for half a season, you had Tobias Reeder and... For the other half of the season, you had Alex Ovechkin. Is that not an indictment of what people have been saying about Patrick Laine so far in his early career, where it's kind of night and day? It's either 50-goal score or zero-goal score. Yeah, that's that's going to be a tough negotiation to watch. And I, and there hasn't really been a lot of news on it either, like where they're at, uh, you know, where uh, how far they are, how far apart they are. And it really seems that there's going to be quite a gap to make up. And, and what do you pay a guy? Like, man, I have a hard enough time navigating these contracts and the salary cap and stuff. And it's just for a guy like Line A, I have, I have no idea what you pay that guy because he seems very unpredictable at this point. And, you know there 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 could be some some more issues there inside the dressing room, kind of based on the statements that he made and and uh, and kind of the responses and reactions we saw from the Jets. So let's just let's just fabricate a bridge deal here. Let's go. Like what 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 are you thinking here? Like like seven? He wants seven. It, he might be asking for more than that because he's probably looking at his the higher end of his output, right? Sure, but let's just let's use seven just for fun. How can you pay a guy $7 million that scores two goals in 41 games? Yeah, exactly. And that's what the Jets are probably telling him. And then he's saying, yeah, but I scored 28 in the other 41. But like, I feel like even the player must, he must admit to himself or his family members or something that 
yeah, the team's right. Like, I know I scored 28 goals in 41 games, but what am I doing for the other half of the season? If I'm not helping, if I'm not helping the team with two fucking goals, I might as well not even be there. Like, how can well, you, how you can see you, the way he coasts around? Sometimes, how can you dedicate but... a, a larger portion of your cap to two goals in half a season? Yeah, and, and you know they they did manage to clear out a bit of space, but uh, obviously they're still you know kind of up against it here. So I don't think they have a lot of room to give them top dollar, but. You got to figure, and the reports are out there that it's pretty much going to be a bridge deal. Do you want to hear about what the hell's going on with Austin Matthews? Yes, I do. Two more points, and then we're done. Western Conference preview. We, I should have just interrupted you a long time. No, ago, because we uh, no because we're on, we're rolling up, up Western Conference preview. So uh, fantasy focus clearly. Um, you've got Wheeler, Shifley are your 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 top two options there. Uh, Kyle Connor's a good one if he's back. Uh, line A is good for goal scoring on a weekly uh, basis. One week, he'll score you 17 goals the next week. You can probably bench him. Um, Hellebuck is decent too. I think he might be drafted closer towards uh, a, a G2 than a G1, given what's gone on this summer with Winnipeg. I feel like a lot of poolies are going to be a little hesitant uh, on Connor Hellebuck. But as far as the goaltending categories are concerned, your goals against average, your save percentage, he's going to get you those numbers. So he might be a guy that you can kind of put in your queue and pick up after everyone goes through the big goalie run. Um, last important point here on the Jets, dude. And this includes, obviously, Line A, Connor, Bufflin, Truba, Myers. This includes their whole team, okay? The team that they had last year. So on February 3rd, they won a game and improved to 34-16-2 on the season. After that game, they went 13-14-3 the rest of the regular season. Then they lost in six games to St. Louis in the first round of the playoffs. So effectively, Lesko, in their last 36 games that they've played, the Winnipeg Jets have only won 15 of them. Is this a concern? Especially given what we've seen happen in the offseason. They only won 15 of their last 36 games, playoffs included. Yeah, like I said, we're not, we don't really know what kind of Jets team we're going to see. The defense is going to be completely different. Uh, we don't know if you know a couple of their top forwards are going to be there, so it's it's really hard to to kind of predict where these guys are going to be. And um, you know, we talked about it last week. I think they had one of the shittier off seasons and lost a lot of lost a lot of guys there. So yeah, they did have a shitty off season. No, no, no question. So that's it, dude. Western Conference preview is done. Thanks for tuning in. We've got some Austin Matthews uh, news coming up. We're just over two hours, let's go. So that's actually pretty solid. Are we in hit, overtime here? Well, hit me. It's, so this, this hit me is with all, the news. This is all bad. Like it's 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 not good. So the reports are out. The the instant reports out. There's apparently footage of this shit too. Which so I I don't think there's any denying whatever the fuck happened here. Basically, him and some buddies were wasted at their apartment complex in the middle of the night. Uh, apparently, coming back to the. the the building, allegedly, he came up and tried to open a car vehicle belonging to a security guard where a female security guard was present. Uh, she got out of the car, confronted Matthews, said he was drunk. Uh, apparently, Matthews said it was thought it would be funny to see how she would respond, which is not funny. Um, the report states that as Matthews walked away, he dropped his pants, bent over, grabbed his butt. <laughs> Though the complainant said he appeared to keep his underwear on, the report says the surveillance video shows a male subject walking toward the complex elevators with his pants around his ankles. Oh my so, God. this is obviously fucking really embarrassing for the for Austin Matthews, for the Maple Leafs. Um, apparently, 
the I would assume the team knew about this back in July. Allegedly, the incident dates back to May, and he wasn't given the citation until July. So there's a there's a bit of a longer timeline here than we expected. So I'm assuming this happened right after playoffs, but big time fuck up for Matthews. Uh, I would assume this impacts his ability or his um, where he stands for the team in terms of his potential captaincy. Well, uh, the Leafs basically said they're aware they're not commenting any further. So yeah, this is, this is bad. Like when you were talking about it, I had like, the, the only word I can use is an epiphany when I thought, okay, didn't we just go through something a couple weeks ago where they leaked this like video or photo and there was apparently a C on Matthew's Yeah, jersey? that people thought was like photoshopped off or something or that, and there was like this weird like Captain Scavenger hunt going on social media. But- Maybe they took it off. Fuck. Because they were going to announce the captaincy, yeah, and then they, all of a sudden, hey guys, listen. Yeah, just but so these you know. photos are from just the beginning of camp, and and the team had to have known when it, when this happened back why? in July. But why would they have have had to have known? That, you got to think they're keeping pretty good tabs on their guys. I guess, but like other, it, he, other he, than calling the local authorities, like how would, do you? How would you? I don't find know. Out? You would think as like their uh, as uh, his employer. I have no idea. I like you would think. Somehow they would they would either find it's not like, out. It's not like Arizona State Police or that security yeah. guard is going to call Kyle Dubas or Brendan Shanahan and tell them what their boy's been up to. But what I what I find maybe troubling or what would be interesting to find out. Obviously, we we know very little other than these allegations right now, and and we'll probably find out more after his court appearance tomorrow. But it appears that. I mean, clearly the team didn't want this to get out. I don't know if they thought this was going to blow over, which, which, you know, I think is the wrong call because in today's fucking era and obviously... You'd rather get out in front of it. Yeah, you want to get out in front of this kind of thing and and, and, and at least, you know, make a statement. And, and basically now they're, they're, on, they're going to be on the defensive now and talk about a huge distraction going into the season here. I'm just laughing because... <laughs> He grew a mustache to try and hide from it. Oh, fuck. Distract everybody. <laughs> Distract everyone with the mustache. No, it's my disguise. I'm just yeah. going to grow a mustache and no one will know it was me. So I don't know what your brand this is. Like, obviously, you know, the cops apparently said all they could charge with disordered conduct. Like, I think given the parties involved, this is going to catch a lot of flack online. Uh, you know, it's kind of a it's a dumb it's a dumb thing like it's stupid it's embarrassing so just to just a quick recap security guard basically he was drunk harassing a female security guard in the car at 2 a.m pretended to open the door and she's like not yeah it it. doesn't sound like they they didn't tie him to the one trying to open the door but i guess they have foot they have some footage anyway so okay and but she said she confronted Matthews. I guess having recognized him, and I think he I, he might have lived in the building or something. But it it this is not a good look for him, and he's going to have some explaining to do, unfortunately. <laughs> but uh, I mean that's the reality, and and the reality of fucking today's culture, man. That that's oh, not God, a good look I for know, him. I know. Not a good look for the Leafs, um, and rightfully so. He's going to catch a, a fuck ton of flack for it. And man, this I mean. As a huge fan of his, and, and you know, for the millions of fucking fans the guy has, this is this hurts a little bit. I gotta admit. I mean, and, and, and I'm sure you have to think the Leafs, the organization, has tuned him up real fucking good about it because 
I mean, you're, any employer will tell you this. They want you to be representative of of a certain set of values, right? Yeah, and, like, I agree. You can go out and get wasted with your boys and you can have a good time, but you can't do fucking dumb shit like this. Yeah, you know? I don't and, disagree. And, and you're charged with a crime. And even if he wasn't charged with a crime in this instance, and if this, you know, if, if this story came to light, it's still, it's still awful, right? It's still not good. Yeah. Um, my, my biggest thing here is uh, I'm, I'm going to need to see some video. I, I'm going to need to see so. some video before you know I what? judge. And, well, I judge and that's it. why I said allegedly, because it's fucking allegedly, right? And, you know, it's interesting. So in the incident report, they only single out Austin Matthews because she allegedly recognized okay. him. And, and had told the police when she contacted them that he was a, you know, a big-time hockey player. Right. right? Now, I'm, so. I, I didn't mean, when I said I want to see video, I didn't mean that as in... I believe it's a lie. I believe right, it's true. Right, but I, I believe it's true. I just want to see yeah, it. I want. I wonder if that's something that will get out as well because it's. Uh, I think it's going to be in the news. So, so does he get torched from the child cover now? Do they do a Danny Heatley thing where they, where they? Oh my god! The take cover? his pants off on the. <laughs> No. Oh, I thought you meant like no. Photoshop. I thought you meant like photoshopping. I thought you meant like no. photoshopping. Oh, that I'm would sure. be funny too. I guess. I like. I don't know how much. Uh, you know what? Like I and people were joking about this all day. Oh, he beat up some guy, and I was making hammered jokes. him in a Taco people, Bell parking People are making jokes, and 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 it's it's almost like it's bad because it's a we all kind of made light of this criminal situation that that he found himself in, and and it's you know it turns out something that's not basically a laughing matter whatsoever like it's it's a big time fuck up right yeah but like i don't know man yeah well i guess and we have to see what happens right like we don't know in terms of the court proceedings what what uh what he's prepared to do here if he's going to be defending himself if he's pleading guilty um you know it sounds like if there's footage there's there's not going to be a lot for him to argue about uh, so you imagine that they're going to want to get this done as as soon as possible, so he can move on and and focus on playing hockey. Wow, that's well. a lot. It's a lot, man. And I that's why I didn't say anything for like the last three teams there because I was reading the shit like, oh my fucking god. Yeah, like, I see. Is... And it wasn't like, okay, dude, Matthews did yeah, punched a guy in the throat. He wasn't looking. Kind of suckered him. That's, it looks like we started okay. we started like an hour earlier. We we could have had that news to to come off the top, but. Uh, you know, it's 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 something that obviously is going to dominate the headlines, and it seems that it's not just going to be a sports story at this point. It's gonna it's already making the rounds in the national media. So. Well, we'll have more news on it next week, and, uh, and yeah, and, and kind of keep an eye out for tomorrow. And yeah, see how it goes Eastern but, Conference uh, preview coming I'm, next week, and Leafs. So we'll obviously uh, have more information on this story as uh, as it develops. But me personally, dude, like I know it's not a good look, but. Uh, I don't know. I'm not gonna throw any. Uh, I'm not gonna throw any stones. I think is what I'm saying. No, just, I, just, I, I just think yet. this is be the extent of what I'm. I'm comfortable talking about it. You know what I mean? Like it's. It's. I like to. You know, we like to have a good time and laugh, make jokes. But this is kind of some pretty serious shit. And I think for the most part, it's best we leave it at that and see how it plays out. But uh, you know, Hopefully he can focus on hockey when this is all said and done and taken care of, and uh, you know that we can go back to focusing on hockey as well. Because one of the interesting things that uh, I thought about is for a team that had so much drama around it for so many years, internal issues and conflicts, and they've been relatively like like crisis free, and, yeah. and things have been so quiet in the organization for there's been the past. no elephants yeah there's yeah. There, there's been no real stories and 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 
conflict within the organization and you know for something that like that to come and and burst our bubbles so to speak after you know getting rid of the Mara contract and be like we can finally focus on hockey uh to have this kind of thing come out at this time is 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 pretty embarrassing for Matthews and the team and uh and yeah I think that's pretty much all I can say on it at this point I think when Tiger Woods uh had his issues and they were made known public. By the way, I'm not comparing Matthews to Tiger Woods. I'm just saying, uh, as a fan, it was a it was a difficult period to be like, man, you know, this is like this is like my guy. Like I love this guy. Like do anything to see this guy play, get his autograph, talk to him for four seconds, you know, and then something like that kind of comes down, and you got to reflect. You know, you got to yeah. take a moment. You got to reflect, and then you're thinking, well, where do we go from here? Yeah, I mean you know? it's gonna it's gonna hurt his stock for sure. You gotta yeah. think, and right? it did because it's, that's what I'm getting. At. I mean, this guy could do no wrong. He he was god yeah. for in Toronto, super nice, super fashionable, years. like super yeah, respectful. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. He's just yeah. uh, you know what I mean. So it's just so, fuck, but that, but that it was, definitely makes people second guess what kind of guy he is. Yeah, right? but that that was my point as a fan of the athlete that is Tiger Woods. There was absolutely like I never wavered for one moment. Now thinking about the person you're thinking okay well you know geez maybe tiger's not the greatest guy but who fucking cares i'm like he's not my best friend i watch him on tv so i agree with you saying this isn't a good look for the leafs not a good look for the fans embarrassing whatever when the puck drops in october i don't give a rat's ass about this convention. no we, 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 we'll be talking about goals. hockey we'll be paying attention to hockey, hockey absolutely yeah. and and Unless know, this is not the kind of shit you know, oh my God! Speaking of Ottawa, Jack Maxwell is gonna have a time with this. Oh no doubt. Oh no doubt. But and ah, anyway, yeah, uh, that's it for me on this one. I, <laughs> I'm I'm pretty disappointed. Pissed. Pretty disappointed to say the least. And uh, you know, it's kind of a, it sucks to wrap up on a negative note. But uh, maybe uh, lay off the drinks and keep your pants on there, Austin. <laughs> All right, that's good enough to end on. That's good enough to end on for me. I'd my say friend. so. Um, yeah, I mean, whatever. We'll talk about it. We'll talk about it as it unfolds. I'm, I'm, I am excited though that we had a little bit of a little bit of clarity. Like that's back to back weeks for us on the puck pod, kind of breaking some stuff, is it not? Oh, you can't even hear me. Oh, yeah, you can. I'm talking out loud. You can hear <laughs> I took off my headphones. No, dude, can't oh, hear you. Can't hear you anymore. <laughs> I don't know what to do. All right, listen, we're gonna wrap it up. Get some more notes um, here on the Austin Matthews uh, front. But, of course, that was our Western Conference uh, preview. Thanks for joining us. Episode 39 is a wrap. Follow us on Twitter, at PuckPod, at Coleman42, at Lesko Adam, and we'll look forward to seeing you again next week. Same time, same place, Eastern Conference preview and full Toronto Maple Leafs comprehensive preview. And it'll be the eve of the regular season. Can't wait. See you then. Till then, lay off the drinks and keep your pants on.